to Freaks and Creeks, a Dawson's Creek podcast, the show where four millennials who missed the boat 25 years ago take the dive for the first time. Join us as we experience the series with a fresh perspective week to week and see if our adolescent experiences match up with Dawson and the gang. My name is Cody. I'm Stella. I'm Mallory. And I am James. And this week we are going to be talking about season one, episode 13, Decisions, also known as Breaking Away. But before we do that, we have some Capeside correspondence. Stella. Indeed we do. We received a really wonderful, sweet review. Um, The following was written... I've listened to every Dawson's Creek podcast available, and this is my favorite so far. I like how all four podcasters bring something different to the table. They all have great radio voices, too. No small thing when you're using AirPods. The podcast is just super enjoyable and makes my long commute bearable. One more thing. The screenplay under About on the website cracked me up. I teach screenwriting, and I'm always hoping one of my students will crank out a silly parody A+. Okay, so if you're not familiar with our website, there is an About section where Cody Dean wrote a very fun, silly little script. You should check it out. It will make you laugh out loud. Those who know me best know that my favorite artist in the history of music in the history of entertainment is Weird Al Yankovic, <laughs> not R. <laughs> Kelly, but, uh, and to, for someone to, to give me kudos for a parody script, I feel like I've opened the door for collaboration with so. Weird Al Yankovic. <laughs> and I wish that I had worked on his new film, which will be premiering on Roku next month. Very <laughs> uh, exciting. Very exciting stuff. Also all of us on our radio voices, So sweet. Really appreciate this review, Gen X Prof. Um, Quick question. So we've received um, a number of reviews and emails from people we don't know, which is so incredible and sweet. And we're wondering how you found us. If you want to write us or comment on our Instagram posts and tell us how you found us, we would love to know. And please, please tell your friends. Thank you so much. Or just shout it in the wind. We'll, yeah. we'll hear it eventually. It'll eventually get to our ears. It'll go through the the creeks. Exactly. And, and make our way. Make <laughs> All way. messages go through the creeks and wind Put a up. message in a bottle and drop it in yeah. your local creek. <laughs> I wish... Uh, it'll, it'll, it'll find its way to us. Find us. I wish everyone that had a problem with a black little mermaid would, instead of writing about it on Twitter, Reddit, 4chan, 8chan, or whatever other incel platform that they're using, I wish they would just scream it in the wind or put it in a <laughs> bottle and throw it into a creek. Yeah, if only. <laughs> it's not that easy, though, unfortunately. Um, but we, I mean, I really do want people to go read that screenplay you wrote, Cody. It is very, very funny. Uh, it's been our secret little, our secret little, uh, hmm, spoiler? Nope. Uh, Easter egg. There we go. That's the one on our, uh, that we've had uh, hidden for so, for too long, frankly. So go, go read it. Go laugh. And then, um, I don't know, tell your friends to go read it as well. That would be great. Not to toot my own horn, but it is very funny. It, I laughed out loud while writing it. <laughs> yeah. Or if you wanted to, like you and some of your friends could Ooh. act it out, yes. read the script, oh, yeah. and then send it to us. That would be really fun. That would be incredible. All right. Well, like I said, this week we're talking about season one, episode 13, which is the season finale of Dawson's Creek what? season one. Holy shit. We made it. Oh. First season. And 
what an episode this was. Um, released May 19th, 1998. The synopsis straight out of HBO Max is, an offer for Joey to study abroad forces her and Dawson to reconsider their feelings for each other. Jen's grandfather suddenly <laughs> awakes from his coma. Story was written, or story by John Harmon Feldman, written by Dana Barada, and directed by David Semmel. This episode kind of has uh, a little bit of everything. It's got a foiled attempt at deprogramming where these characters suddenly have a moment of realization and try to buck their 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 little robotic programmings they find themselves in. We got lots of white people crying in this one, and then we have <laughs> a ton of shoehorned religiosity just just kind of thrown on top. So I don't know what could possibly go wrong with this episode. What did you guys think about this climactic season <laughs> finale that we got? Uh, wasn't also uh, Mike White a writer on it too? Not this episode. He's was, in the writer's room. That's for sure. I could have sworn it was by both him and Dana. I think that was the last episode. Well, I, you know, I thought it was an okay season finale. Um, I, I don't know. I, I didn't love it and was kind of disappointed. Um, I would have liked to see more from Jen and Joey, like their more of their relationship. Um, I still feel like I don't know Pacey. Um, wondering if we're ever going to meet his family. Um, seems like just through exposition is really mm-hmm. the way that we're going to get to experience Pacey's just story. Like so yeah, it was weird. like it was kind of like a, you blink and you miss Pacey in this episode. He was barely there. I know, but just a couple scenes, but I, yeah, I think you know not to not to you know like uh, bury the lead on on the review or anything, but I think Pacey Joshua Jackson did a hell of a fucking performance in this episode because mm-hmm. while he may kind of have just a few moments, the moments he brings are very emotionally charged. And I think yeah. he really does a lot with what little screen time he gets. Uh, yeah, I totally agree. Yeah. But I think that that's kind of my critique of this episode is it's like, it's a downer from fucking start to finish. This is the season mm-hmm. finale of season one of Dawson's Creek. And honestly, like, yes, if you ask me, was it emotionally powerful? Definitely. Did it make me like think and feel things? Yes. Did it make me excited to watch more? Fuck no. Yeah, it was heavy. <laughs> it was heavy as <laughs> hell. Heavy. Just so, like dragged on from start to finish too. It was just like. It, I kind of appreciated seeing new locations. Yeah. Though that was one upside. I think we got several new locations. Do we got think the prison guard around. is going to be a new character? <laughs> I hope so. We got to see. We got. We met Joey's dad. Yeah. <laughs> Not played by John Lurie, who I really wanted uh, from like nine episodes ago. You called it, but (laughs) it was wrong. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I think this episode did a lot to to kind of give us a little bit more detail in our world, but it ultimately didn't introduce a whole lot more, which made it feel kind of like we're just treading water, which is how I've really felt for like the last three episodes of this season. It's just felt like they're treading water trying to get to the end of it to see what's going to happen. I completely agree. I mean, there is meta commentary from Joey in this episode about like the, like what is the purpose of a right. cliffhanger? How do you draw an audience in to like watch something? And it's funny because I imagine if I was an audience back then watching this show and the only thing I really cared about was 
Joey and Dawson's relationship, I would have thought this episode was perfect because it right. like completely built up to them and the relationship, and it's finally consummated with a smooch. Yay. Uh, but for everyone else, I mean, it, it, the show has forgotten that there are side characters that are just as important. I mean, we have top billing for Jen and Pacey, but those right. characters amounted to nothing in this episode. At least, like like you said, Pacey had these like really great moments of talking. I mean... It's frustrating that the only notes that we really got for Pacey uh, has either been horny boy or sad boy. And we got a lot of sad boy this episode. Did he do a fucking great job? Yeah, he knocked it out of the ballpark. But again, it's just one note. And then he disappears in the third act. Jen has been gone for quite some time in this show in general. And the, the only beats that she gets are involved with Gramps in this episode. And there's not really anything with her relationship with the other characters yeah. aside from just like the awkwardness with Dawson and that smooch. So it's like no one else really exists in this world. And um, it's the solipsism of Dawson in general. This is yeah. all mm-hmm. for him and his <laughs> I mean, he's the son and everything revolves around it. So basically, yeah. and yeah. even like half of the visit to Joey to her dad was like about Dawson. So that, it was like, oh, am, which we'll talk about later. I yeah. am so excited to get into that because it is <laughs> yeah. frankly absurd. It's, I, I know we talk about David Lynch a lot on the show, but, um, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, my favorite Lynch is Mulholland drive. And the majority of that it is taking place within the main character's mind. And it's, uh, a way for that character to kind of deal with, occurrences in life and how they view it and you're really getting it's such great characterization because you're getting character development through someone's subconscious and how they experience life versus the reality that you're shown later in that movie and all i can think about is that with dawson's creek with dawson this uh, like if this show ended and dawson woke up and it was a dream that would actually make sense and totally would Mm -hmm. make for an interesting show because everything is about him everything is about dawson in this show and it's truly hilarious. Uh, I cannot believe some of these character beats and how they just turn around to just be about Dawson. Mind-blowing. It really is. Um, does anybody have any other top-level thoughts before? I think we should just get into yeah. this. There's, there's a lot in this episode. So uh, take us away, Codals. Joey climbs through Dawson's window to declare that she will not be attending movie night as the two marinate in the overall bad, awkward vibes between them. Dawson tries to win her over by letting her know the TV show he's watching is good due to having a cliffhanger. But Joey jumps into a meta commentary about how cliffhangers are predictable and nothing ever changes the status quo of a TV show, giving the audience a metaphorical wink as she calls cliffhangers a tease. I kind of wondered about if it was kind of saying like, yeah, what we've been doing with the same kind of story every episode has been purposeful. Oh, Mm -hmm. yeah. 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 I uh, noticed that Dawson was holding his grasshopper, which we you, normally he's holding ET or something else. But I thought that this symbolized like leaping for uh, mm. this leaping forward or travel or just like uncertainty about what's going to happen. That's interesting. Yeah, he was kind of because he was kind of looking at it with like you know he was nervous, so he was that the way he was handling it was different than how he would be holding like the ET. Totally, I read it so. as as a reference to our last episode where we were watching the grasshopper, uh, right? That too. Porn yes. in the beginning to kind of like <laughs> set up the will they won't they for double Joey. meaning. So it's kind of like yeah, it's, yeah, it's a little bit of both. I like that. Mm-hmm. I thought when we're watching this episode and 
Joey starts kind of going off on like, we're not going to do more of this shit. We're not going to sit here. I actually have this clip here. I'm going to, I'm going to play it really quick. But, um, after she says this line challenging Dawson on, on what they've basically been doing all along. What are you talking about? I mean, every night it's the same. We hang out in your Spielberg guy's bedroom and watch obscure movies and TV reruns. It's so predictable. After she says that Dawson ignores it completely and he goes right he turns the tv on and sits down <laughs> and for a moment there it reminded me of the tv show wandavision there's uh that whole premise is there's a a a, a mutant a superhero wanda maximoff who has kind of cast an entire t- uh, town under a charm spell where they are living through this fantasy of wanda's life and in that tv show when occasionally people are challenged with things that that go beyond what they've been essentially dictated to do. You see them have this existential moment where they're like, Oh God, what am I supposed to do? If I do the wrong thing, Wanda's going to kill me. Dawson has that same look on his face when Joey is challenging him. And Cody, to your point, it felt like we're seeing a, a robot be challenged with their programming. And this is not what Dawson dreamed about. He could in a moment, like if this were a different show, it would like cut to him waking up and that's the end of his dream. Right. And he's like, Oh, oh that was weird. But instead we're just like, yeah, let's keep going. Uh, no, we have to watch TV, Joey. How dare you try to, that's break how this works. Yeah. It's like, that's how this works. Right. Very strange. <laughs> yeah. I agree wholeheartedly with everything you said. I think it's a really good reading. Uh, the one thing I want to question in Joey's, little speech there is that she says that they watch obscure movies. <laughs> what <Funny>. a joke. Yeah. <laughs> so obscure. I don't know. Have you ever heard of a movie called E.T.? <laughs> 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 in a very small film that no one's ever heard of. Jerry Maguire. Yeah. <laughs> when uh, when Joey said, producers putting characters in contrived situations, I loved this because it, I thought of The Bachelor. Totally. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, you mean The Bachelor? Because <laughs> that's what it sounds like. Yeah, this, uh, this episode actually has a number of, of dialogue moments where I'm like, are we on the beach in paradise? Uh, yeah. Mm. <laughs> I feel like it's very pointed that they're writing about the show itself. And I wonder if there was, uh, oh, listeners, if you know, if there's uh, some interesting production gossip about the production of season one versus the rest of the series because as we've said numerous times people have told us this show gets way better after season one and i wonder if the writers and the producers of dawson's creek at the time felt pressured to doing what we have complained about this entire time the the re hitting the restart button every episode we're watching the exact same plot unfold in numerous different ways but at the end of the day it's the exact same thing i wonder if they're told you cannot change these characters yeah yeah. Uh, we're going to use the exact same tease every episode to get you back. Yeah. So I wonder if this is their way of being like, fuck you, Warner Brothers. We're going to write this into the show and talk about how stupid cliffhangers are because nothing ever changes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do we know when they were renewed for season two? That's a good thing. Good question. I do not know. Listeners, let us know. Yeah, for real. We, I mean, we want to we wanna provide these answers, but again, we've talked about it. We don't want to research anything about yeah. the show because as soon as you type in Dawson's Creek anything into Google, <laughs> yeah. it is spoiler territory. That moment when Dawson marries Jen and they pump out six kids on <laughs> season four, episode two, it's like, I just wanted to know <laughs> something else. Truly hope that is a plot. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they're what, they'd be like 19. Hey, I mean... We're just we're getting like a a middle America like anyway. Yeah, uh, <laughs> that would be a different TV show entirely. I don't know. I thought that I did like this notion that we're getting some self awareness from the TV show that they're trying they're, they're teasing with teasing us with the idea that they know what they're doing is 
kind of uh, hacky or cliche. Um, but maybe, hopefully, they're setting up that season two is going to be different, right? That, like, to your point, Stella, they were doing this intentionally all along. This is something that we are supposed to feel sick of by the end of the season so that we could feel it break away uh, um, from this, this mold that they've established once we move into season two. Hopefully, that's what we see. The next day, Grams is gabbing to a comatose Gramps on all the hot Cape Side gossip, as well as catching him up on her relationship with Jen, as well as her breakup with Dawson. As Jen takes off for school, she says goodbye to sleepy Gramps. And moments later, he awakens through the divine intervention of Christ in the clouds and proclaims goodbye, Jen. And Jen rushes back to see Lazarus 2.0 has risen. <laughs> uh, I... <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know what to say. I mean, so we waited. Okay. <laughs> I, I guess I'll wait until we actually get there. But it's just, one, the, this scene is so transparent from the beginning. Why are we finally seeing Gramps again? Even if we didn't know from the plot synopsis that we just read and that we read at the end of our last episode, a, like a anybody would know that he's about to wake up, right? And it happens and... We don't get any more than him just fucking waking up. He's just like, goodbye, Jed. It's, and then the scene cuts. It's basically a <laughs> foreshadow for the end. I it, it also think it's a way of showing us his relationship to Jen because we, in this entire episode, we never get an interaction. Gramps wakes up, right? But we never get an interaction with Grams and Gramps. Nope. The only thing we ever hear, the only line we ever get from Gramps is him saying goodbye to Jen. So there we go. Like... Just realized that his last <laughs> words to her was goodbye, Jen. That's kind of sad. Yeah, That's and sweet. and we never see him and Grams interact. It's literally only goodbye, Jen. That's it. Dang, if I was so. Grams, I'd be jealous. <laughs> right? <laughs> you heathen child. Well, of course, you know, we assume that she's talking to him behind the scenes, but we the only thing we, we actually hear is him yeah. saying goodbye to Jen. So I thought that was interesting. <laughs> and who knows about their relationship anyways between Gramps and Grams because I right. mean they were probably married as teenagers in 1910 right. yeah. from a shotgun yeah. wedding. So <laughs> do they love each other or do they love each other because of God told them to? Who knows? Uh, I don't know. I, I did think it was sweet that Gramps' last words are goodbye to Jen. That is the one saving grace here. But this, it just, it just feels like um, what... I have been really worried about with this episode, with this show, and specifically Jen's plotline throughout it has been that we are getting all of these details just so that they can subvert them in the end, right? She's not; she's an atheist. Well, but her grand her grandmother is so religious, so she's going to come around in the end. And you know, her, she loves her relationship with her grandfather. That's the one thing that's really keeping her here. So he's going to die in the end. It's all so transparent and so predictable, and. What happens? Well, exactly that. You know, so mm-hmm. it's like, then why did we watch season one? If everything that we could have sworn was going to happen in episode one that I think we even predicted when they first introduced her happens, why did we watch 13 fucking episodes of her story? I 100% agree. It's disgusting. And the, I, the thing that I'm hung up on, and I don't know if this is just like my selfish uh, viewpoint as an audience that likes Jen, is ish her trajectory by the end of this episode where she's in the church with Grams and says like, take care of him, God for me too, or right. whatever the fuck. Um, is that just a humor Grams? Is that her arc of yeah. maturity of being like, 
Because like when you're a kid and you have like differing viewpoints than your parents or family or whatever, like you can get to screaming matches, but I think it's like a, a note of maturity to just grow up and just yeah. let it go to be like, I'm not going to win this argument, so I'm just going to put up with it, which sucks. And like no one should ever feel like they have to do that, but like sometimes it is better to just let it happen instead yeah. of like even trying anymore. So is that... Like I'm hoping that's what this means. Yeah, I'm curious what you all think when we get there. Because right, yeah, I, it's just like, yeah, there, there, there's just so much around Jen and her storyline that is really completely in the shadows this entire episode. But for me, it's like the only thing I want to talk about. <laughs> Especially, I, I get really frustrated with her relationship with Gramps. And that there's no evidence of the strong relationship that they do have. Well, the, I think the evidence is her kind of confiding in him. It, I mean, it just comes from her, sure, I guess. But that's we don't like exposition. It, we just you know, that's, that's right. Yeah. Don't show. Well, right? yeah, I know. know. Yeah, I I really did love that line where she says, um, "I mi- I miss it when you would yeah. just like magically uncomplicate my life." Yeah, I, I felt like that was like a really sweet way of kind of putting that yeah. relationship yeah. you have with a grandparent. At least totally. Yeah, but we're talking about that in the next. Yeah, we're 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 only a scene two. Yeah, this. I mean, this is the the trajectory of this narrative arc for her in this episode. And the the thing, I mean, I did like that line. It's like okay, so like it adds to their relationship that he would uncomplicate things for her in her life. But again, it's just another exposition dump. But for a show that loves exposition dumps where people are just constantly saying how they feel and what happened and why those things are happening, at least give us a fucking example of how he's uncomplicated her life at some point. Even with Jen's, uh, there were at least 200, maybe 300 monologues of her talking about her past in New York. And how she had to go from New York to Massachusetts to live in Cape Side and why. Like, why not tell a story about how Gramps helped with that transition for her or yeah. talk about how before she was in New York, Gramps always told her a life lesson and she stayed true to that while she was in New York. And that's why she came back to Cape Side. Give me something. Right. But instead, it's just, yeah, Gramps is great because he uncomplicated things once. Yeah, like not once have we ever heard her say anything else about him. So, yeah, that would have been nice. <laughs> Truly basic. <laughs> In the halls of Capeside, Jen tells Dawson about that morning's miracle. She tells him it's put a pep in her step and that she wants to do something fun that night. When she incites Dawson to hang, he declines, having set plans already with Joey. Speak of the devil, JoJo rounds the corner and lets the gang know that she's received the opportunity to go to France for a study abroad program and has to decide in two days, stating that if she were to go, she'd be off in two weeks. While Jen thinks it's a great opportunity... Dawson isn't so sure. I like uh, when Jen says, speak of the devil, and Joey's wearing red. Mm. And, ah! she, and Jen also looked super jealous in that when she said that. It wasn't like, speak of the devil. Yeah, it was yeah. like, right. speak of the devil. <laughs> so we've had quite a bit of back and forth on this one. You probably all know what I'm about to say, but it's Mrs. Tringle now? Right. Because she it's calls been it Tringle. Tingle. Yep. It's been Miss Tringle. It's been Mrs. Tringle. It's been Mrs. Tingle. So are Tringle. there two different people or <laughs> does this oh. show just not know the fucking names of its own characters? Because I swear, just last episode, mm. it was Tingle. Yeah, she called her Tringle again this time. The so, fuck? yep. And the, and the Kevin Williamson movie is Tingle. 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 Yep. So uh, uh, silly. Did anybody do foreign exchange like in high school? 
Not really. Oh. I did like a summer abroad. Oh, that's cool. Um, in high school. Where'd you go? I went to Italy. <gasps> Mamma Mia. Mamma Mia. Mi yeah. familia. Yeah, it was pretty sick. Um, and then my host sister came to Oregon, but she didn't stay with us. She went to Albany, Oregon. Oh. Anybody who's not from Oregon, just say it sucks. <laughs> I mean, Albany specifically. Oregon's cool, but just say Albany sucks. We had a lot of foreign exchange students at my school. We, it was like a hub. Yeah, we had we had a lot too. And we um, had I never did it. Russian kid until college, but yeah. I always wanted to. I was scared. confused because I think at one point Joey says it's a semester, and yes. then later she's it's a year. Tell, she tells says, her she sister a it's a year. She said, "Yes, I thought that was interesting too." Later when they're at the ice house, um, she references a year. So I don't know. Um, just like Tingle or Tringle, yeah. this show does not know what it's talking about. So I have a question for everyone. Um, do does what do we think about? Jen's opinion on Joey going to France is she does she selfishly want Joey to go to France so that she can reconnect with Dawson or is she happy for Joey because uh, you know last last episode we see Jen kind of boosting Joey up right I feel or is like it kind of I don't know I, it was hard to tell yeah I I feel like it could be both yeah yeah it it does in this context with Dawson talking about their plans it does yes. feel like she wants to get closer to Dawson uh-huh um, and then Dawson selfishly doesn't want Joey to go right. to France in this same moment. So I think, yeah, yeah it's uh, not mutually exclusive. I think mm-hmm. all evidence points to Jen being an altruistic person. Even when they were talking about a serial killer, Jen yeah. was empathetic enough to right. say, he's just looking for love. <laughs> uh, so even if Jen wants Joey to leave, she's probably like, but this is also a great opportunity for Joey. I yeah. hope that she has a wonderful yeah. life mm-hmm. and career. You know? yeah. I'd like to say that it's like the beauty of this show that they are so capable of showing, you know, the realities of life where two things can be true at the same time, yeah. right? Uh, that she is both happy for Joey to be going out on this, like, potentially life-changing adventure. Definitely will, like, give her a lot of experience as well as, uh, you know, she gets to get closer with Dawson. That said, though, I don't think that's what they're doing here necessarily. I, 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 because if they really wanted us to to see that, like, beautiful moment of oh everything's coming together we would get any kind of hint at that whatsoever so mm-hmm. i think it's more just this show still isn't quite sure what it wants from his characters or we're just supposed to be like you decide what is she what is what's you know it's always good to make your own decisions on media but would love a little bit more direction with the ambiguity that this show often creates around its characters motivations yeah, I, I know I've talked about Dawson being a blank slate, but it's getting to the point where these characters are so lifeless yeah. that they're all blank slates. So just, it's mm-hmm. whoever little, you want them to be. They're Gumbies. They're all just little Gumbies, Gumbies. running around. <laughs> I can just imagine them all walking around as Gumby <laughs> <laughs> in their outfits. Far too easy to imagine. <laughs> Were there ever uh, yeah. Dawson Creek action figures? Oh God, I, I bet. I hope oh my so. God. Um, I you know I feel like we'll probably get into this more later, but I guess I was left wondering when Joey brings this, this trip up, like why would she not go? And, you know, I think we, we see her, you know, finding reasons to go and not go that seem very, um, superficial maybe. Um, but yeah, I wish, yeah, I wish we could see her kind of think through that more. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, 
that was my thought as well because I, I was going to do study abroad when I was in college. I was going to do a, a, a semester abroad. And the reason I didn't do it wasn't because like, ooh, daddy love me or ooh, best friend love me. It wasn't, <laughs> wasn't any of that, right? It was, ooh, big money to do yes. this. Like don't have a lot of money. So there was, there was absolutely no practical discussion of what this could be. And especially with what we know about Joey and the Potters specifically, that they are kind of stringing things together, that they're very much like living a tight life. Why was that not even mentioned? Because that would have been a great thing for Bessie to say. Oh, my God, that is such an amazing thing. How are we going to pay for this? Mm-hmm. But instead it's like, let's just like let Joey decide if she's going to go, you know. Uh, th- this is all further evidence. This is all taking place in Dawson's mind. Because in his mind, his projection of Joey is that the only reason that she might stay home is because right. of him. And she's just waiting for him to make that first move. Because it's oh, the right. only thing that they ever kind of aim towards in this entire episode. It's always her being like, okay, Dawson, give me one good reason. Yeah. Yeah. Give me just one good reason and I'll do it. And then instead he uh, stares off into the clouds like data from Star Trek The Next Generation. He's still processing that data. (laughs) Over at the Ice House, Joey tells Bessie some silly pros and cons regarding the big trip to France. But when Bessie mentions how their dad will be excited to hear of the opportunity, all hell breaks loose as Bessie reminds her that they're on an annual swap of visiting the prison to wish Daddy Potter a happy birthday. And it's Joey's turn to visit. This week on Dad Swap. <laughs> it, it felt like like a, a strange little like agreement that we have. You know, every we alternate years on who's going to go visit Daddy in prison. Our father, who are in prison. Do <laughs> <laughs> you know what, Joey? He's still our father. Yeah, our father who are in prison. <laughs> was that fish oh, man. <laughs> i think so and this is also where she mentions the year yes which yeah just confusing why <laughs> what do you mean the year sorry what? oh so she says I th- i'm not sure if you got this line but i she says i don't think i could spend a year in any country that worships mickey rourke right yes i did <laughs> capture that yeah but yeah but in the previous scene she had said a semester, semester yeah. right which yeah so just hate this writing. I mean, not just for them fucking up if it's a year or a semester or yeah. 10 years or 100, but <laughs> the the fact that no one would ever talk like this if they already know their agreement for their annual swap. Figure out a better way to show us that they have to do this instead of just being like, well, Joey, you know that we do yeah. our oh. annual swap for Daddy Potter, yeah. and it is your turn now. Like, yeah. Have a one-second shot of a calendar with the date that says Dad's B-Day in prison, and then both of them walking by it going, Oh, your oh. turn. Solved. Yeah, we just <laughs> yeah. Got, like that yeah. immediately improves this, but that's you know just too good. We need to have we just need to have characters talking about things rather than actually doing things. That's the number one rule of, st- of storytelling, right, Cody? Yes. Uh, question for all of you. I don't know if we've discussed this. Have we watched other Kevin Williamson properties besides Scream? And I know you did last summer. Not really. I don't no. think so. Mm-hmm. Because I, I think, you know, those two movies, I feel like um, Scream being the the better of the two, they're, very, they're so similar, but the, yeah, it, those are both good uh, things that people just like, it's all 
um, action, not action sequences, but I mean like everyone right. is like doing what they need to do to move the story forward. No one is ever really saying anything. The only time that dialogue is used is um, for character development and there's no like fat exposition pieces of them being like, well, if we do this, right. this will happen and this is why we have to do it. It seems so strange to me that Kevin Williamson being the showrunner of the show at the time would see these scripts and just be like, yeah, that's all right. Like, unless they were under like such a tight deadline that he was just like, fuck it, who cares? Like, I don't care about the audience. Let's just like let this happen. Yeah. I would never, if I was the showrunner of the show, I would not want this to be associated with my name as a writer. Cause it'd yeah. be like, hmm. especially yeah. if you had made a career on such, like, like you're saying, you know, like Scream having such a focused storytelling angle, it would be like having Ghostface call Sydney and be like, Hello, Sydney. <laughs> do you know what a knife can do? <laughs> it can cut you, and if it cuts you enough, you might die. I might want to do that to you later if you don't answer my questions. It's like, Jesus Christ, get to the fucking point. What are you doing? <laughs> I'm picking you off one by one. The reason being. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I wish that that was maybe that's the original script. Yeah, that should have been. <laughs> I, I I watched. It's been a really long time, but I watched the first season of The Vampire Diaries, which was an underrated show. A lot of people didn't watch it because they thought it was going to be like a Twilight thing or whatever. But mm-hmm. it was it was fun. It's, it's campy and uh, a good time. But I have no recollection of any parts of that show ever being people just sitting around and talking. Right. Um, mm-hmm. Even though that show had like a lot of vampire lore, no one's being like, well, because of the Vampire Council, like right. And before you say it's that like Dawson's Creek is dated, Scream and I know what you did last summer both came out before Dawson's Creek. So don't hmm. give me that shit. Yeah, and other shows like in the nineties that yeah. were like around the same time. Like I can't I mean, there were a lot of bad shows during that time, but they're doing it intentionally, and I wonder. I know, like a big part of Dawson's Creek was the fact that we had kids talking like adults. So maybe they're just like, let's have these kids talking as much as possible because that's the angle that we've got. They're not saying, "Dude, rad." They're saying big words or whatever the fuck. Yeah. yeah. And, and the stylization of these characters too has changed so much since yeah. the beginning of the season oh, yeah. that it's like, it used to be kind of like noirish where everyone's talking in these like allegories and quick witty liners. And now it, then it kind of like veered into like more, you know, neorealism. But now it's, I, I don't really know what it is. I don't know. Yeah. It's like almost soapy. Yeah. Yeah. As Pacey rushes to work on his bicycle, brother Deputy Dougie pulls him over to let him know that Daddy Witter is upset over Pacey's failed midterms. When Pacey lets him know he more or less doesn't give a shit, Doug gives him an earful on how he's an embarrassing clown and will one day regret being such a fucking loser. (laughs) We are once again reminded that his family hates him. (laughs) Again. (laughs) Yeah, what's the point of showing us this scene? Is it just to set up the yeah the later scene the ice house because yeah and I guess maybe it's because it, it could be anybody's first episode yep also but it just it's annoying this scene is annoying to me because what does it really do nothing besides speak to that first time audience which I guess you have to prepare for that but god damn it it's your season fucking finale do we need to have just scenes <laughs> to fill to pad the time. You know right. what? I wonder if that is the ticket there, that this is the season finale. So maybe there was an expectation at the time that people probably fell off a little bit, mm-hmm. but they are going to tune in for the finale to see like, yeah. oh yeah, like I haven't watched the last four episodes because the show kind of sucks, but I still mm-hmm. kind of want to see what happens with Dawson. Yeah. So, and by like, the way, so, Pacey's family still hates him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, also, Gramps yeah. died. <laughs> <laughs> oh, whoops. I mean, he's uh, he woke up. Sorry, listeners, if you haven't watched the episode and know that he <laughs> dies later. 
Also, uh, maybe this was to also show that Dougie uh, abuses his power as a police officer to do whatever yeah. he wants. Maybe that will come into play later on in the show because so far it's just like him being a, I mean, a bad cop. Like that's yeah. all he is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I felt bad for Pacey though. I mean, poor guy. He's just trying to live his goddamn life. Yeah. You know, I just, yeah. I mean, I wish we could have a scene of his, like seeing his dad Mm-hmm. yell at him or something it's just like yeah. why not like why are we seeing everyone's families except his it makes me wonder if next season we're gonna see like a big blowout between him and his dad or you know i hope i i don't know i just yeah i hope we it get more so, like such a weird choice it's a very odd choice it's especially weird because the show is doing a few things where uh, the only thing that i could say like in its defense is when you're in high school your experience is your own and you experience your friends' lives through what they tell you about their lives. And the show is following Dawson. It is his creek after all. But at the same time, if this show were to do that, then we wouldn't get scenes that are outside of Dawson. Like, for instance, this episode, we see scenes that are just Joey and Pacey. There's no Dawson in that scene. So if the show is willing to give us glimpses into other realities that are not just Dawson-focused, then it should at least lean into the fact that Pacey is one of the main characters of the show and we should see his home life. I don't know why they're not showing us this. I, the, I mean... This isn't a good reason, but the only thing that I can think of, I've been trying to rack my brain about possible explanations for this. The only thing I can think of is they didn't have more budget. Like it's sure. shot on location, right? It's shot that that obviously is going to cost a certain amount of money. They've had to pad this out with a bunch of locals for like B-roll shots and the background stuff. They've had they do have a pretty trim cast if you actually think about it. Like it's kind of just the same four actors plus or minus a few featured actors in the background, like Hannah from last episode or whatever, right? So maybe they're just like, yeah, we can't get some series regulars in Pacey's family as well. So Mm -hmm. maybe season two, we will, because they won't have that constraint. Hopefully, that's literally the only thing I can think of is just like purely from the fiscal standpoint, they've already put in so much money. Right, yeah, and they'd also have to have another location if yeah. his house so that's more budget right so yeah that makes sense mm-hmm. and a season two renewal like that's more yeah, money you're totally. getting more money totally. so totally yep hopefully that's all it is because i'm getting sick and tired of like the one character i, I mean we could all i think we all relate with every character to a certain at a certain point but i feel like pacey is the one character who kind of has a little bit of everything if that makes sense like he almost every episode since uh, Miss Jacobs has left, I've found myself relating more with Pacey than anybody else on the show. Um, so I just want to see him actually be explored as treated like a real character instead of like the the funny guy, sad boy, horny boy. Yeah. At um, this point in the show, I feel like him and Joey are the most authentic characters because they have like very fleshed out real world problems. Yeah. Yeah. And um, Jen, I felt like that for a little bit, but it, her story so one note that there's nothing really yeah. there anymore. And Dawson is a cyborg. So this is <laughs> yeah. what we're getting. I don't know. Also, we've uh, in the past talked about who, you know, fan casting, who do you think is going to play Joey's dad? Turns out it's nobody. But <laughs> here, like, who do you imagine when Pacey talks about his dad? Like, who would you like to see play hmm. his dad? Oh, Sam Neill. Oh, that would be great. For all of you who don't know, he is, if you think of cowboy in your head, you just thought of Sam Neill. He's got a big, uh, big mustache, white mustache. He almost always is a cowboy or a sheriff. 
Oh, wait. Spell his name? I, I, I'm thinking of the wrong <laughs> this Sam This is the Jurassic Neal's Park the New guy. Zealand guy from... Okay. <laughs> yeah, so he's... If you think is of Cowboy th- in your Is that head, who you meant? No, that's not oh. who I meant, but I actually like that better. I was yeah. thinking of... Um, I feel like they kind of look... They have a similar look, kind of. But I feel I like Sam- Casey's dad's got to be like a mean Sam oh. Neill looks so nice oh no they're they're nope. have you seen his horror movies oh, like no. possession Uh-oh. or in the mouth of madness okay, okay he is terrifying oh event horizon oh yes. my god when okay. he's a fucking hell horizon. demon I was thinking of Sam Elliott sorry ah, okay. everybody oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh totally yeah. yeah yeah I do not see I that I see that I as Pacey's dad yeah I don't I see Sam Neill though really? Oil partner. oh that's so funny <laughs> Pacey, you son of a bitch. Tombstone. I'm glad I got you. <laughs> I feel like Sam Neill looks kind of like a cop. Like he yeah, could be cop. a cop. Yeah, the mustache. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, well, I like that. Okay. That's fun. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to say my accidental casting is better than my. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> I also like the idea that Sam Neill is a cowboy. I want to see Tombstone, but with Sam yeah, when you yeah. were when you were saying that, I was like, wow, like I haven't seen any Sam Neill cowboy movies. That's interesting. That'd be great. My fan casting in my mind is uh, what's his name? Brian Cox, the yeah. the figurehead of Succession. Oh, oh yeah, um, especially like because uh, you imagine? Fuck off. <laughs> yeah. when, when he, totally when, when he yeah. played Hannibal Lecter in um, Manhunter in the eighties, like because that would be kind of like a, you know it's only within ten years and he was still like right. he's like chubby but still kind of young and stuff. Just like I just imagine him with a, like the tan sheriff. Uh, button-up shirt that's tucked in, his guts hanging out, and he's sitting at a kitchen yeah. table, just being like, "Oh, you fucking piece of shit, Pacey!" Like, <laughs> it's so easy to imagine in my mm-hmm. mind. Elsewhere, Dawson and Joey grab some bus tickets to go visit her daddy in prison. She uses this as an opportune time to remind Dawson and the audience that it was two years ago in which she had last seen her dad, and that this is when she learned he had been cheating on her mom when she had cancer. Switching gears, Francis once again brought up. When asked how Dawson would feel if she were to leave, he says what any 15-year-old white suburban boy would say and states that he would kill himself. Ugh. He backtracks and says he would be happy as long as she was happy. Oh. Mm. I long for a time when we would just make casual suicide <laughs> jokes on national God. television. Prime time. It caught me off guard. Yeah. Uh, the gear had switched for me. I went, excuse yeah. me, sir. Yeah, it took me a second. I was like, I didn't just hear that, did I? I that was like uh, some kind of weird psychotic thing in my own brain where I replaced <laughs> dialogue with that. That wasn't what he actually <laughs> said, right? Good response, though. He didn't even crack a smile. Yeah. He said, no. God damn. We should do a re-edit where he just goes, I'd kill myself and then just smash to uh, the credits. Yeah. <laughs> That's what a cliffhanger. <laughs> Again, also, uh, just timing-wise of this, this show doesn't make any sense. Uh, with talking about, you know, she's going to be gone for a year. Maybe it's a semester. Who knows how long semesters are in Dawson's Creek. Um, another thing, too, is they talk about the timing of her learning about the the daddy cheating uh, with the mom with cancer. I It doesn't make sense that she would have learned about it uh, only two years ago if she had known about it beforehand well, leading up to it. Because, well, my read was she, the last time, she, last, a year ago, Bessie visited her dad. Bessie. So two years ago would have been the when last he got time arrested. Joey visited him, right? Yeah, but I thought she or knew when about got, the cheating when, he got when it was happening. It, oh, my yeah. thought was that he got arrested two years ago. Right. That's how she, she found, found out, out about everything. Yeah, okay. That, that was must my, have been it. It must have must been something be that was going on before then. Because if we go back to when she discovers the cheating and she's talking to Miss Mrs. Leary about it, she definitely makes it seem like it was like a 
happening within the now of that time. And that, and then but the he way would that have she been talks about it in general is like, this has ruined my life. Everybody knows me as this character, but it's only been two years. So but that's, you know, that's middle school. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, that's yeah. prime prime years. But then again, mm-hmm. it just surprised me that it's only been two years, I guess. It really yeah. shocked me. Yeah. And also, so like, they, <laughs> Bessie talks about their daddy swap uh, on an annual basis, but it's only happened twice. Yeah. Right. So like, it's like, oh, of course, Joey, you know the deal that we've set in stone only two years ago yeah. when you started it. Like, but this is you? the second cycle of. Yeah. <laughs> I was, I guess my read was maybe it, that's when she, learned it when like maybe i don't know so we think you're you're saying that she would have known when it was happening i thought maybe she learned it two years ago when during her visit with her dad her dad was arrested like prior to two years ago i think that that's what we're kind of okay figuring out yeah. now is right. that she only found out about it two years yeah. ago right not okay. like we thought right much longer much longer yeah but the thing that i it's so strange to me that are getting two things are being associated as being on the same level, yes. which mm-hmm. is uh, her dad being a drug dealer and also that he was cheating on her mom when uh, she was dying. And I don't understand why both of those would have been revealed with the arrest. It's like, sir, no, you're under arrest for drug dealing and also cheating. Yeah. Well, that's I mean, why I think it, he was arrested prior to two years ago. It was just maybe the last time only, she... But it's only happened twice. Yeah. The visit? The visit. Yeah. It's only happened twice? That's what that's what Bessie is saying in that last scene. She did? Oh, I missed yeah. that. I thought she just said that she visited him last year, not that it was this, just the second time. I, Interesting. Okay. I can't remember. That's confusing, yeah. I know that I know that the the number 2 years has been yeah. ha, was dropped whether it's last scene or this scene. <laughs> this is so confusing. It, it, so it's Yeah, the, this scene Joey says she found out 2 years ago. Yes. Yeah. Just that she found out yeah, that's it. Which I guess he could have been in. That could um, mean any. That could mean she knows. found out from the labor. Of it this it show. could mean that <laughs> Bessie told her. Oh, yeah. that's new. She okay. found out from Bessie, but like her dad had been in prison for a couple years, like four years. You yeah, know, that's I, true. who knows? Like, do we ever know when our mom died? No. no. Yeah. So. So it, yeah. Maybe when they decide to tell us when that was, that we can fill this picture in a little bit more. But until totally. then, I have no idea. <laughs> yeah. And <laughs> it sounds it sounds like he's only been in prison for two years. I, I, I yeah. I just is, heard the found out. That's what. I, yeah. I desperately want to see a flashback sequence where Joey's at home with her dad. The end. Um, the the doors burst open. Joey screams. Her dad's getting tackled by the cops, and he turns to her and says, "By the way, cheated on your mom too." <laughs> yes, yeah, I read it as like maybe Bessie was protecting her for a couple years when she was right. too young to know, and she found out two years ago at the same time she last had to visit maybe. her dad or something like that. And so like she doesn't want to visit him again. What a, because, what a visit you know. that would be! It's like happy birthday, daddy. And he's yeah. like, thanks, baby. Um, I got something I gotta tell you. It's actually a, a gift if you think about it. Um, it's the gift of the truth. I cheated on mom. Okay, bye. <laughs> also, the show Lovey Exposition, I wonder if, um, too, that there, I mean, like in my mind, this just, it just all seems so absurd to me, but it almost sounds like that's when I learned everything. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. like he was arrested and Joey's like, why was dad arrested? I got to ask him sometime. <laughs> and then on that first visit, he's like, honey, well, I'm here for drugs. Yeah. And also cheat on your mom. <laughs> Bye-bye. <laughs> Happy birthday, me. When Dawson and Joey arrive at the prison, they're bummed to learn that visiting hours are over. As a means to make their four-hour trip worth it, they decide to stay the night at a hotel in prison town to see Daddy Potter the next day. At the hotel, things become awkward when it's sleepy time, and Dawson spills the beans that he's going to miss Joey a lot if she decides to go to France. He then monologues about failing at his own introspection and not knowing what's going on between them. 
Joey asks him what he's so scared of before turning over, and Dawson lets us know that he does not know. The only thing I wanted to play here, I got this clip. It plays back to what you were saying earlier, Cody, about this uh, being the whole prison sequence being very Lynchian. The guard gives to gives me like this speech could have been out of Twin Peaks Firewalk with me or season two. Let's take a listen to what the guard says in response to Joey. Look, miss, I know you think your problem's very important, and I'm sure to you it is, but here at a prison housing over 800 felons, it's not even a blip on the radar. Now, can I ask you, are we done here yet? <laughs> that feels like it's a, like yeah. you know it's the it's a it's one of the police officers at the the shitty police uh, sheriff's office and firewalk with me that they go there and they're always getting laughed at like totally is yeah. this conversation done yet <laughs> love that guy I love yeah, yeah and firewalk with me those two people that are just like sitting yeah. and yeah. laughing <laughs> at like a magazine article yeah. it's yeah. so scary. So good. Speaking of Twin Peaks, this hotel, this like hotel totally. was very mm-hmm. much reminded me of Twin Peaks. Um, it was the name of the motel is the Loveless Cafe and Motel. It is a real place. Um, it is in Nashville, Tennessee. So this that's where this part. Wow. I think this scene was filmed there at the hotel. Um, apparently, it originally opened in 1951. Uh, they have a website with a little bit of history, and it still exists. And I think wow. it's a just a cafe now. Um, but yeah, it's kind of cute. We gotta treat ourselves and yeah. fly over to <laughs> have a coffee. I'm just looking at the map here. So if you look at if you uh, it's quite if you a, Google Loveless, you can see that that sign that they still have that same sign there. So I, I guess the, the question view. for me is: Did they actually film it on location, or did they just take an establishing shot from the location and then do been. an interior on like a soundstage or in just Probably. any other motel? Because that's quite a ways away. I from think it where was, they're in, in Massachusetts. I think it was establishing because uh, it's not actually a motel; it's uh, a cafe. Yeah. I, it might have like been a motel back sure. in the day, but yeah. Uh, you're right, though. Super Twin Peaks. Yeah. Why? The motel room I, inside too. I wonder why that establishing shot is even in the public domain for other people to use. Yeah. And then that, if you can do that, I would imagine every like ma and pa business would totally. be selling the rights to being using their location for anything. Right. Mm-hmm. That's cool. How strange. I, when we first watched this episode and they get in the bed, um, I was, I had this weird fun house effect where it, they get in bed and it was like, oh, it's a, well, they show the room, normal looking bed. They get in bed, normal looking bed, everything looks fine. And then after Joey gives Dawson the cold shoulder and like turns away and Dawson's just kind of like staring up, the bed looks like it's like, like so big. It has gotten yeah. so large. It, it like, it looks like you could fit like 10 people in this bed all of a sudden. Yeah. It's I, not, it's the same bed the entire time. And I think that was intentional Yeah, because like, if you look, well, I, we watched, so we watched it at the same time to begin with. And we were both like, did the bed just get bigger? Yeah. Cause if you look, she, uh, the, or, we'll when they're originally lay down, she's, her head's on the middle pillow. Cause there's three pillows. And then like when she turns, she rolls over to the, the pillow that's farther away from Dawson yeah. and it spans, the camera spans up and it's like this gigantic <laughs> Yeah. space between them so He's so alone yeah, yeah. it yeah. is a good visual metaphor yeah. for yeah. the distance between them in that moment totally Definitely. yeah poor dawson i also oh. like <laughs> when joey says the bed is lumpy and then yeah. dawson like eyes joey's yabos yeah right <laughs> and also he said a foreign bed which yeah. kind of goes back to her traveling to a foreign country uh i also noticed that joey this time joey's the one commenting on the awkwardness of sleeping in the same bed in the first episode it was awesome 
actually, sorry, it was reversed. Uh, jo- in the first episode, Joey was the one commenting about the awkwardness. In this episode, Dawson's feeling weird about it. So I, there's a little swap there. This whole moment would have been so much better if they had never established that they have sleepovers in the same bed all the yeah. time because there there shouldn't be any awkwardness to this scene. And, and Dawson mm-hmm. saying it's like, oh, it's a foreign bed or whatever. Like, I, that doesn't really add anything to this. No. They should have put them in a... I don't know. Like they have to shower together. Yeah. yeah. There's something else that's not a bed. Exactly. Right. Some kind of some kind of heightening tool should have been implemented here. Like they should have gotten rain. They should have been walking back from the cafe and they got poured on. So they had to take all their clothes off and get dry. And that's what's making it awkward because to your point, they've been in beds yeah, a billion D times. I thought it was effective because in the because it goes back to the first episode where yeah. like Dawson didn't feel awkward and Joey did. Oh, yeah. This time oh, yeah. Joey feels awkward and Dawson or sorry, Joey shows- doesn't and Dawson does. And it, it's like that same level of like it's like a swap, but it's still like there's still that tension. Right. I don't know. Yeah, I, mean, I guess changed. it wasn't height. It could have been heightened more, but um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, I think- yeah. I, I agree that like there is a through line there with the connectivity of a bed as a symbol for the relationship. Um, I just wish it was like uh, they, they, they could have forced it a little more. Right. Like, there, there, there needed to be a reason to, for Dawson to make it feel awkward. Bed. Yeah. Or this combine James's idea here is they get rained on. So now they have to sleep in the same bed naked or in their underwear or something. So now it's like being forced to be sexual yes. or something uh, between them. Yeah. Not that I want to see or, that as an like audience. Like Casey and Joey with the water. Yes. Yeah. Like, or it's the honeymoon suite is the only room available and it's like a heart shaped oh, bed. Yes. You know, like oh, yeah. Kind of there it yeah. is. Oh, okay. That's it. Thank you. Um, Question for everyone: Favorite TV shows or movies to watch at a, in a hotel room? Oh, baby, I love watching ghost TV shows like Ghost Hunters, <laughs> Unsolved Mysteries. Well, so, this, I feel like that's always on, but Ghost Hunters, yeah. This is fun and cute because when Stella and I first met, it was we were staying at a hotel, and I said, "Do you want to watch?" Because my favorite thing at being in a hotel is watching local television. Yeah. yeah. For wherever you're at, just seeing local ads because yeah. like they crack me up because <laughs> you get so used to your own if you have cable, but when you're staying somewhere else, it's like I don't know what I'm about to see, and like their used car dealership ads are always insane, <laughs> um, stuff like that. So that's what I like to watch. I like Forensic Files and Law and Order. Mm-hmm. But you just like that in general. I know, but right. I don't know. It's fun when you're at a hotel. It feels cozy. Mm. I feel like uh, well, another one that's always on when I'm at a hotel is My Cousin Vinny. Like that it's movie is always on. I feel like, I don't know. It's just like one of those that's always on repeat. And I never watch live TV at home. So it's like when I'm at a hotel, that's like <laughs> a fun one to watch. There is something very special about those local commercials, though. You're yeah. totally right. Like when you get... I, I have very vivid memories of visiting New Mexico as a kid with my family and just the difference in commercials in, in the Albuquerque area versus where we grew up was just like, it's culture shock is what it is. You're like, whoa, this is the culture of, of Albuquerque TV ads. It's just very different, you know, mm-hmm. like, like you're saying. The crazy car dealership ads, they get away with so much in a local market that you don't see, you know, in your, in your like little small neck of the woods. I always think about... Uh people that were visiting Portland maybe in the late 90s, early 2000s, if they happened to be watching television in their hotel room late at night and they caught the very Portland local ad for that stereo man that screams at the TV yes. screen, if you remember him, yeah. until they're gone! <laughs> it's like, oh, you want to get a CD changer for your car? I get it until they're gone! <laughs> like, that must have been insane. Uh, listeners not from Portland, Google until they're gone, Portland stereo ad, and you will get a glimpse into our world. <laughs> 
Uh, well, man. speaking Funny. of glimpses into our world and specifically glimpses at commercials, it is time for our very first commercial break. So we'll see you on the other side. Hey, everybody. It's James here. Just thanking you for listening. We don't have any sponsors. We don't have any paid promotions or anything like that. So we're thanking you. But... I'm going to actually ask one more thing of you while I'm at it. Could you go ahead and subscribe to this show? Do it right now while you're listening. It's not going to take you any time at all. And that way you'll get every episode in the future. And while you're at it, go ahead and give us a review as well. Um, It'll really help us grow. The algorithm will love it. People will see it and maybe they'll think, hey, I I think this sounds like something I'm going to like. And that's really what we need as a new show. So help us grow. Give us a rating. Subscribe and keep on listening. Thank you so much and enjoy the rest of the episode. And we're back at the hospital. Grams tells Jen that the tests for Gramps are going well and blessed be the Lord for his intervention. Jen is quick to deny that faith or spiritual guidance had anything to do with Gramps, bringing up the classic examples of when God took a nap on war, famine and AIDS. Grams basically says the Lord works in mysterious ways. But Jen says that they should just enjoy Gramps' recovery in their own ways. Yeah, I mean, if anybody was considering taking a philosophy of religions course, you don't have to anymore because you just heard all of the arguments kind of summarized between this exchange between Jen and Grams. It's like, does God exist? No, because of all because of all this bad stuff. Well, but God still exists because I think God exists. Okay, well, there we go. Classic. Yeah. It's uh, every argument that I ever hear. It's like, well, you know, God just has a plan for all of us. Yeah. And sometimes the plan for people that are tortured their entire lives and die a cruel, uh, seemingly uh, pointless death is for our benefit to use as an example of right. God working in mysterious ways. Exactly. It's all according to plan. I love, okay, so let's um, dial it back a little bit. So God um, in heaven, oh boy. Uh, he's, <laughs> he's chilling and he puts Gramps into a coma and he goes, they're going to think it's so crazy when I wake him up for a good 25 minutes before <laughs> killing him. Yes. Yep. What a twist. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, just testing the waters for, for poor Gramps and Jen and their faith. Why? Well, obviously, because this is what brings Jen into the fold, as we see later, right? Mm. Losing Gramps <laughs> ultimately serves the greater good, which is we got to convert everybody to Christianity. So let's get Jen in there. We got one more soldier in God's army, and it's Jen. As Bob Dylan would put it, upon in his game. Yeah. I love that. I love that Gramps' life ends up being a complete, meaningless uh, drag out just to get Jen back into that church, baby. That's all it's really for. Mm. I hope one day God uses me in the same way. Me too. I hope that I'm a pawn. I hope that he kills me so that somebody else <laughs> decides to be religious. You know, it's it's funny that the same group of people that believe in this uh, say life is so precious and it's <laughs> and it's so worth living when at the same time you could just be a example later on used after you've been shot, killed, murdered, warred, famined, diseased, etc. Yeah, but I mean, at least Gramps got to be on TV for a little while. That is extremely mm-hmm. true, and he got a cool scar on his chest. 
inside the prison visitation room. Dawson is about to dip for the Potters to have some private time, but Joey insists on him staying put. When Daddy Potter comes in, he cracks a few jokes to Joey's chagrin. She puts on a cold front until he brings up their family, and Joey gives him flack, lest we forget his wrongdoings. When he asks how she truly feels, she tells him she's moving to France and that their family is over. When she leaves, Daddy Potter asks Dawson to stick around to tell him about her, allowing Dawson to list some of his favorite adjectives. Great, smart, beautiful, funny, scared, honest, stubborn, and a good friend. He tells him he doesn't know what he's going to do if she leaves, saying that she's not only his best friend, but that she is quite literally everything. And we meet Joey's dad, finally. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I just feel sorry for him in this scene the entire time. I mean, I get he has done crimes or whatever to, to quote unquote earn being here. But in this scene, all we see is that he really wants to connect with his daughter. And rightfully, she is very unable or unwilling to connect. It's just a painful scene kind of from start to finish. And uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm glad it, that we met him, but yeah. at the same time, oof. Well, yeah, this because this scene was this whole scene was for Dawson. Yes, <laughs> yeah, it was absolutely not, not for Joey and her dad. It was for Dawson. Further evidence that <laughs> this is all just yeah. Dawson's dream. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Imagine my disappointment when walking through the door is not John Lurie, just some guy. Yeah. John Draper? Anyone? He got a strong jaw. He had a tan face. He reminded me of John Ham. <laughs> I think that hair. Yeah. Mm. He looked a lot like the lady killer. You take the lady's lady killer's glasses off. He looks a bit like Daddy. <laughs> Daddy in Potter, my, in my memory, anyway. Um, when her dad tells her she's beautiful, it rem- her reaction reminded me of the previous episode. Jen telling yeah. her she's beautiful, and she just absolutely hates that. She that's not what she wants to hear. I thought that mm-hmm. was kind of an interesting. Throughout this episode, Joey's like poutiness uh-huh. and. Um, I don't know what the word is just like being so just like a teenager oh, you know totally, yeah of being yeah. like no i'm not it felt kind of faked like predictable like okay like we're just seeing joey being yeah the teen the angsty you know have that like predictable reaction of like yeah, yeah. Well, and, and i'm be, going to because France. this whole scene was for dawson like it wasn't it wasn't for the relationship of joey and her dad that comes later so yeah it, yeah it felt like a continuation of what we got from joey last episode where she was just like rolling her eyes and and looking through her eyebrows at things now yeah. this time instead of being coy she's being like sassy it's the exact same acting, though, and I'm, ti- I'm tired of it. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's like, you know, every writer and director, you know, as they are watching this and going along, they're just like, oh, she's like pretty good at doing that. So we're just going to yeah. pull that pull string over and over again on this Joey doll. And right. Yeah. That's all we get. She's young, but I feel like they're doing her a disservice by not just unless they did. Of course, who knows? Maybe they did. But unless they're asking her for a different performance and she's just giving this over and over again. Why are we just going for this one thing? It, yeah. It just makes me think that they're looking at the show Bible and it just said like, Joey is sassy and yeah. rolls her eyes a lot. And they're like, okay, well I guess that's um, what we're going to do. Let's just copy and paste that into every read of every line. So it was really annoying that like when her dad's asking Dawson to tell tell him about her all he does is throws out like random descriptive words oh. just like vague like he the most vague 
words that describe a person. He, he told know, her nothing. He told him nothing about Joey. He doesn't know anything <laughs> about her. It's just yeah. like this like surface level bullshit, yeah. like easy ways to describe a human being that like you could use for basically anyone. Right. Yeah, that that um, part of the scene felt very soap opera-y, like oh, with the music totally. and the way Dawson was talking. It was just like, this is so over the top. Yeah. Important to note also that the only time that he actually elaborates on something is when he describes her as a scaredy cat, and then he just interjects himself being the person that can instigate that behavior out of her, which is also scary that the one thing that he likes a lot is he's like, yeah, I get to control her emotions when I and scare it, her. Yeah, that <laughs> he can manipulate her, yeah. I do, since we're talking about this, I'm just going to play this clip really quick. I should go with her. Um, I'm sorry, Mr. Potter. Good luck. Tell some weight, please. Tell me about her. Tell me about my daughter. What do you want? I just had to play that because that line from the dad, I just feel, I just feel so sorry for him. He just sounds mm-hmm. so sad. He sounds like he didn't know how this was going to go, obviously, but he didn't think it would go this way. And he just wants to know something, anything about his daughter. And I can't help but feel, you know, like sad for him, this yeah. poor guy. And then even worse, he's talking to Dawson. <laughs> it is. I mean, I like that they hit this beat. And I mm. do, I genuinely do like the stuff in this episode between yeah. Joey and her dad, minus the Dawson stuff. Like, yeah. it actually feels good. There's like some meat there to chew on. It's, it's strong. And, Daddy Potter, uh, sorry that I forgot the actor's name, but he Gareth, does a great job with the material that he has. Yeah, Gareth Williams. He, yeah, I thought he did a great job. Oh, yeah. Solid, solid performance. He felt believable as <laughs> yeah. a dad who is having, who is estranged from his daughter for whatever reason, let alone the fact that he's in prison. You know, mm-hmm. I, I thought he did a, an amazing job. And I think it's interesting to kind of juxtapose what we see from this scene where Dawson brings Joey to the prison to talk to her dad versus what we get with the later visit to the prison where Pacey Pacey brings her to the prison Mm -hmm. because we are rightfully calling out how Dawson kind of um, centers himself in this experience. It's really about, uh, you know, the whole scene is really Dawson watching Joey interact with his parent, with, with her dad and then her, him contextualizing her life through him. But then what does Pacey do? Well, we'll talk about it when we get there, but it's definitely not that. No. Yeah. Back in Capeside, on an isolated dock, Joey berates Dawson for being awkwardly silent the entire four-hour bus ride home. Dawson tells her that she shouldn't have left as her dad was curious about her life and that she needs to tell him exactly how she feels as she's carrying a lot of emotional baggage. Digressing, she reveals she's decided to go to France. When Dawson says running away isn't the right answer, she begs for him to give her one good darn reason to stay. As always, our titular hero remains silent, and Joey gives him a that's what I thought before getting in her little canoe and rowing away. Remember when we first started watching this show and we were like, God, I hope we just get Katie Holmes rowing in her little boat all the time. This is like <laughs> the third time I think it's happened in the entire series, but it still tickles me every time we get it. It gets but me it, too. It happened a few times in this episode. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The, later, <laughs> the later rowing sequence is my favorite scene probably in all of the show so far. Yeah. Uh, I, um, I really like this little picturesque dock that is, or whatever it is. It, I was trying to figure out, does this little footbridge just exist? Just it just crosses this little <laughs> creek, and, and that that's just the way it is. Or or is this a dock? Because if it's a dock, oh, she's getting on her boat. That's right. 
in my head, I'm thinking of it as like a footbridge that goes across town. So, but then when we cut to the scene, it just, it's very strange. It's a very strange little feature. And I just got really fixated on yeah. what it is and what it serves. It's weird what they use. They, it's like they're not, it's an establishing shot without an establishing shot. Right. They mm. show that we're at a dock. Cool. Where is this? Yeah. Cause yeah. I couldn't tell like, is this Dawson's house? And we're just getting like a really obscure view right. that totally. doesn't show his house in the background. Mm-hmm. Cause it's ju- all you're seeing is the little wooden planks. Or mm-hmm. is it like a public facility? Yeah. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Well, you know what? Dawson's Creek. Fuck you. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> I said it. Sorry, Kevin. Sorry, buddy. Uh, I'm okay. So, it seems as though the reaction that Dawson had after his experience with Daddy Potter is that he's so sad over the relationship that he silently sat on that bus the entire way yeah. back. I mean, she didn't mm-hmm. literally say you were quiet the in- or you were silent the entire time, but she is. Yeah, he is quiet. She and, hints at it, at the and very yeah. affected by it. And we know it's a four-hour bus ride yeah. too. Yikes! That's what she said on the way there, right? That they spent four hours and right. they're late. What? So he just sulked for four hours because she said that she's going to 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 France because clearly she's going through some shit, dude. Like, what is wrong with you, Dawson? It really like we've complained about it so many times, but this it's it's a rightful criticism that it's like he is suffering from main character syndrome. He is mm-hmm. the main character of the show, but he like everything has to involve him, and everything is like. He just like cannot get it out of his mind that maybe she would just go to France because this is a really good opportunity for her education yeah, and she right. wants to go to college. If they had ever had a conversation like she does with Pacey about this, like right. he would know like yeah. maybe I should not make myself the main goal of everything in every other person's life. Instead, no, of course not. Like it is about him and it sucks that that gets paid off at the end of this episode that it is literally about him. So it's just... Because he tells her in the... In, sorry, in the, in the scene, he tells her that running away is not the answer, but he's saying that because selfishly he doesn't want right. her to run away, not yeah. because like he's telling her you should talk to your dad. Like that's not where the meaning is. It's because he's, you know, being selfish. So yeah. And I mean, ironically, he's saying running away isn't the answer when that's what he's doing from Jen. He's running away from any yeah. kind of close, you know, any kind of closure with Jen, and instead he's just running towards Joey. So. Clearly, it's just the self-motivation that he's talking about. And I guess, like, my question is, is this idea of main character syndrome and what we rightfully see now, to your point, Cody, like, why can't he just remove himself from being the center of everything? Is that just too modern of a thought? Were there shows in the 90s that didn't have main characters being the, the sun in the, in the solar system of media? Or is that is are we talking about just like like the whole point of the show? Is this just a response to shows like Dawson's Creek, where Dawson has to be at the fucking center of everything? That we get those kinds of shows that eventually relate to other characters. I I believe that. I mean, this is going to be um, me playing armchair psychologist here, but the way that this keeps progressing with Dawson as a character just makes me feel that Kevin Williamson himself is just like. This is him yeah. without criticism viewing his life through this lens again. And it's very gross. Right. Like if it, if this is supposed to be autobiographical, he sh- it should have been like, I don't know. But then again, you're, you're getting these scenes where Dawson is saying that he doesn't want to be introspective about anything and he wants to click that off. So is this show actually Kevin Williamson saying like, look how immature I was right. when I would... I don't know. Am I no. giving the show to like the benefit of the doubt thinking that it's way smarter than I think? Because this, I mean, 
shows in the nineties, like were complicated. I mean, this is in the same time that we're getting the Sopranos at least like a year after it. So it's like, things are complicated. Like media is complicated. Films have existed for 80 years at this point. Like they're right. In a way it feels very authentic. If, if what you're saying is this is Kevin Williamson's kind of like exorcism of his childhood demons in a way, right? The fact that he was so, you know, like focused in on his own life. Is this his way of kind of, uh, showing the the folly in that by being like, yeah, the only person who gets a say in this TV show is Dawson. And isn't that fucked up that we don't actually look at any of these other characters and give them merit? That's what we do as teenage boys. Is that really the commentary that he's making? Is this all intentional? Because like we've talked about, Kevin Williamson is a very capable storyteller. I don't believe that he is capable of making just a bad show. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, It feels like it has to be intentional. So to your question... Are you giving it too much credit? I don't think so, but I don't know. But then again, so this is the only my only hang up with thinking that this show is smart enough to be what we think it is, is that later on we get that horrific scene God. with Joey and her dad and they just change the subject to talk about Dawson. So this is yeah. either like some yeah. like smart Mulholland Drive meta commentary on the thoughts of a 15 year old boy and thinking like right. him projecting on how he thinks other people are reacting to his life being the center of attention or this is just shitty writing. Maybe, just like we talked about in the beginning, both things are true. Yeah. Well, we're going to go contemplate that on our second commercial break. So, uh, yeah, bye. Hello there. Jumping in on the commercial break to remind you to find us online. We're on social media at Freaks and Creeks Pod, where we post all sorts of great content. So come and join the conversation. We'd love to have you. We also have a website, freaksandcreeks.com. It has a really sleek web player, which means you can listen from anywhere or share episodes directly with your friends and family. Thanks for listening and enjoy the rest of the show. And we're back at the hospital, that is. Jen checks on Grams and learns that Gramps has had another stroke and is in the ICU. Jen is befuddled. As the last she heard, things were really turning around. Grams argues that what they need the most right now is prayer. But when Jen says it won't change God's mind, Grams says prayer isn't for God, but for her. Yeah, let's take a listen to that. Now, sometimes we don't understand it. We we can't see it. But this is when prayer is most important. How can you have so much faith in prayer? Just because you pray doesn't mean it can change God. Oh, child, you've got it backwards. Prayer doesn't change God. Prayer changes me. Cool. Oh, child. This just reminds me of all the fucking horrible Christian media I had to watch as a kid. And it just like, it's so triggering because it's like, that, that's always like the end of every single movie or TV show that was Christian themed that I had to watch. It's like, well, we may not know what God wants, but if we pray, things will happen, whether they're good or bad. Yeah. God knows. Oh, God. It's like, okay. <laughs> it felt like that the message that was being sent was that because Jen dissed prayer earlier in the episode, this happened. This yes. led yeah. to Gramps having another stroke. It's like, why? Yeah, yeah why? why? Is Kevin Williamson yeah. secretly like, evangelical or like really religious or is this something that he is just 
I just don't understand why this has to be in the show. I don't get it. I know that like satanic panic and all that stuff, you know, the Christian values being under threat, quote unquote, that was very much a thing in the 90s and still today. So it feels like we're not too far off from it. But like I said earlier in the episode, as soon as Jen steps on the screen and tells Grams, I'm not going to church, I'm an atheist or whatever it was, she said, I feel like I may have even said it then, but I called it, this is going to end with her becoming religious. And this scene is when I knew it was happening. When we got this, I was like, guarantee you, by the end of this episode, we're going to be in a church and she's going to be praying. And what the fuck do we get? For me, I think one of the cliffhangers is is, uh, like, okay, so we end with Jen in the church. Is she playing along for Grams or not? Will she become religious next season? We'll find out. Yeah. I don't know. Are they putting this in here to so that teens can relate? Teens that are questioning their religion? I wonder. And I mean, look, I also want to say I get it. You know, just because you are an atheist doesn't mean you can never pray. Ugh. Like that's that's not necessarily true. Sure, there are moments of when when prayer seems like the right thing to do. And this seems like a time when even if you were atheist, anything could help. So sure, why not? Um, but yeah, just, I really, really think that we could have done without this entire plot line in this episode, in this season, in this show, and we'd be better off for it. And instead let's find those minutes that we lost and make Jen a better character because this is fucking not it for me. Yeah, absolutely not. And yeah. I, I also think it's important. I, I would say that I, I speak for all of us here where I wouldn't say that I, uh, we hate Christianity. I would say it's more of like, we hate evangelical modern Christianity and how it's twisted a religion into being this like Mm -hmm. fucking bizarro uh, ritualistic strangeness where there is actually no answers and everything is just this vague whatever I'm just gonna just submit basically to bullshit that I'm learning from an establishment instead of actually having a um, a journey of spiritualism that benefits your life and the lives of others instead it's um whatever we got now that right. I would call it Dick Cheney Christianity mm-hmm. or yeah. Ronald Reagan Christianity. Um, and the fact that Jen is getting like twisted into being a victim based on this yeah. is very reminiscent of like a nineties message of evangelical Christianity. Yeah. This is focus on the family bullshit and it's uh, really disgusting. It is. And you know what I, to your point, Cody, I'm not, a Christian hater fucking like let's let's end Christianity. It's more that I would much rather see a balanced message of what religion is. Let's see the Jewish family in here and let's have them represented as well. Let's have let's have more multiple religious perspectives represented and not just have the one Judeo-Christian perspective represented as the one and singular way forward. And and to that point it's so funny when people now uh say that they're, you know, there's a war on Christmas. They're trying to take away Christianity from the United States. And it's like, so your example is like back in the 1998, we used to have episodes of TV shows like Dawson's Creek where Christianity would be a major theme and now it's no longer there. It's like, that's your war on Christianity by representing other cultures or religions. Or just choosing, just recognizing that by only recognizing one or representing one, it's actually not good. So maybe we just don't represent any. (laughs) That is a better choice. Uh, Yeah, it's disgusting. Tune into um, uh, churches and freaks. No, pews and... Hmm. Pals. Well, pews and pals. Pews and pals. <laughs> yeah, pews, tune into pews and pals to hear more of our religious thought because uh, I think we have quite a bit of it. 
Pacey finds Joey closing up at the ice house and vents a little bit about his family making him feel like an embarrassment. He tells an extremely depressing story about a baseball game where he struck out with two outs in the bottom of the ninth and overheard his dad tell brother Dougie that he at least was him and not the other. When Joey suggests Pacey talk with his father, she realizes she needs to take her own advice and get to the prison as soon as possible to talk to Daddy Potter. She asks Pacey to give her a ride and he offers to steal his family's car to get her there. Pacey, very sad. Very, very, very sad. Very sad. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think this was another piece where I felt frustrated because we get to see joey confront her dad Mm. and then we don't get to see any follow-up with pacey and what he's going through yeah um i know yeah and i mean i think we all know somebody who kind of deals with their own stuff through helping others but um clearly clearly pacey needs somebody here that's why he's Mm. here that's literally what he is talking about is he just can't be at home anymore and through him telling this story which I'll, i'll play in just a moment like he needs somebody and we don't get it. And in a way we get that same kind of like taking advantage of the people around you that Dawson does, but now through Joey. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was, yeah. yeah, I kind of felt that it was more of a way of getting Joey back to her dad because him having a strained relationship with his dad relates to her and then causes her to realize that she needs to be honest with her dad. So that was, I, yeah, yeah. that's great. But, and then I, right, yeah. even, I think the most, um, egregious thing about all that is that that as we've already talked about turns into talking about Dawson all of it eventually culminates with talking about Dawson and how he loves her too she's not alone yeah daddy might be in prison with the big bad men but you've got a very nice sweet boy out there named Dawson who also loves you I'm imagining uh creating a meme or something for us where you know that um and it's always sunny that famous image i can't remember the character who has like uh-huh. the the web of everything and yeah. it oh, like yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Conspiracy yeah. yeah i think we should do one of those and then it's just like dawson, dawson. is the middle yeah everything. that's so good yeah everything yeah. connects to dawson oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah I, i'm gonna play this really quick um this is pacey's heartbreaker next morning i go down to breakfast and i overhear my dad relaying the events of the game to my brother and i heard him say to him at least I have you. <laughs> I, I never told anybody this, but I wish I never heard him say that. So sad, dude. Get this guy in therapy. He needs therapy. Needs therapy bad. I mean, I know we kind of joked about it in the beginning about how this episode is really dark and heavy, but this scene kind of epitomizes that for me like there's not much funny there's not much fun in that conversation there's not much to like take out of that that you're like i can't wait to watch next week you know it's like god damn that's hard that's not that everything needs to be candy and bubblegum i don't think it has to be but no but usually from pacey we're hearing, hearing something funny to your point, you know, yeah. so this is, yeah. And then even beyond that, usually in a season finale, we at least get something mm. that's like optimistic and we don't get a lot of that in this episode. It would have been good if there was like an actual, I'll save this thought for our next sequence because <laughs> there there was a trajectory that I thought the show was going to go into that I was like, this is it, baby. Like I'm feeling good, but I'll save it. I think on that note, <laughs> we might as well just move on. 
Back at the hospital, Jen visits a sleepy Gramps and tells him that she wishes that there was something she could do to bring him back, stating that she needs him back in her life to uncomplicate it like he used to. I have that clip. Let's take a listen. Poor Jen. Because I want you to help me. I want you to smile at me and I want you to listen to me and I, I want you to magically uncomplicate my life the way you used to. I wish we had an example of him <laughs> uncomplicating your life. Yes. Like Just he used to. So melodramatic, you know hate that piano oh i love it i love it <laughs> oh i mean i love it for how dog shit it is yeah, it yeah. reminds me of um robert pattinson's piano playing in uh, twilight? twilight yes <laughs> dun, 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 dun. everything comes back to twilight in the end it really does there was probably a deleted scene where jen was riding on gramps's back through the woods <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, this makes me wonder if it, if maybe gramps is more like open and understanding of different viewpoints possibly than gramps is it's be. like the, yeah. it's got to yeah, be part be. of part of it you know that the, the reason why she's feels like she can confide in him more than Graham's. Yeah. Um, but I, yeah, I wish we had an example. Be so nice. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I kind of, I, I, I think I can relate to Jen in this moment for a couple of reasons. Cause on uh, my, in some of my, on one side of my family, I won't say which, just in case my family does listen to this, but I definitely felt like I could relate more to my grandfather than my grandmother who, was not quite as understanding, who didn't have that same kind of like empathetic response that my grandfather did. Ostensibly, you know, they were both people that in that we would, I would not necessarily agree with, you know, growing up, if turns comes, come to find out very different values from myself and my grandparents and our families. But all that to say, like, I feel what Jen is feeling in a way through this. And I also kind of like admire her ability to still get this conversation in with her grandfather, even if he can't hear it. Cause like I lost all my grandparents and I never got to have that kind of conversation with them. Like to really say goodbye either. Cause I was too young or like just too scared of death. Granted, she doesn't really know he's about to die, but still she's kind of having these closing conversations. So I don't know. I'm glad we see this scene, but it also feels overly melodramatic and overly emotional for no well I mean we know the reason because we're about to get the the payoff of he's dead but I don't know what a payoff it is what a payoff (laughs) presumably four-ish hours later at the prison Joey and Pacey are once again told that visiting hours are closed (laughs) Pacey uh, takes the guard aside for some sweet talk and the guard gives Joey the green light when prodded Pacey reveals he had slipped that guard 20 bucks (laughs) Big 20. twenty. Yeah, $20 <laughs> seems so cheap to be bribing a guard with, but I guess, you know, it's the 90s. So. Yeah, I was going to, 98, that's like 20 bucks, it, probably like 40 or $50 yeah, now. Yeah, as I looked it up, it's like close to 40. Wow. Yeah, wow. not even, I don't think it's even quite 40. It's worth yeah. your job. Right for. now, I would literally <laughs> do anything for $40. <laughs> uh, okay, so this is what I wanted to get into. At this point, we were, like, we were already seeing a mirror of her trip with Dawson. And this is when I was like, fuck yeah, dude, you know what we're going to do here? What's going to happen is they're going to have to go back to the same hotel. Uh-oh. They're going to have to get into the bed together. And then the fireworks are going to happen. She's going to realize that it's not awkward when she's with Pacey. Things are getting really good. And then what the trajectory of the show is, is she comes home. She has to then confront Dawson, who's finally willing to tell her how he feels for her to only then be like, 
I'm not into you anymore. Me and Pacey really hit off when we were in prison town or prison land. I forgot the exact uh, name of the city. Prisonville. And then that would have been the fucking cliffhanger, baby. You know how good that would have been? That would have been so much better than the mirror of Jen being Joey in Dawson's bed and... (laughs) (laughs) Like that awkwardness. Yeah. Yeah. And it's so strange too, because this is basically, I think, was this the final time that we see Pacey for the rest of the episode? Yes. That's it. it. I know. That's how it is. And it's the season fucking finale. And he plays in some, I think he plays a critical role in this whole episode, but they're just like, okay, well he served his, his plot function. So fuck him, I guess. Let's just not have him in anymore. And I mean, like, as you were saying earlier, this show doesn't always have to be rainbows and butterflies. This show is melodramatic for a reason. There is drama in this show. But for him to have this big scene where he has a very large monologue talking about the story about his family and it really hammers home the fact that he is the black sheep in this family. Everyone hates him. He's very alone. He has nobody. For then to him twist that and turn it around and help Joey out of just sheer kindness even though he's the one who's been struggling and then that's his scene. It's yeah. like, Oh, he did that nice thing. That's it. This show could have ended. If this show did not get picked up for a second season, that's the last time you see Pacey Witter. Are you kidding? That's his character. That's his arc. Yeah. yeah. It's insane. Yeah. Absolutely insane. I'm passionate. <laughs> this is, this is Stella and I will be laying in bed. She's fast asleep and I'm just staring at the ceiling at 3am going <laughs> Pacey. What the fuck happened? Mm. Yeah. I mean, why didn't we at least get, a conversation in the car ride home as we're now watching Joey process what just happened, where she is told by her dad that Dawson loves you. And, you know, all of these conflicting emotions that she now probably potentially maybe has, we see those when she's then trying to row furiously over (laughs) to Dawson's house. Why couldn't we see the beginning of that in this charged conversation where Pacey is like hey I did something great for you I got you this climactic moment with your dad and hopefully this is me earning some ground towards a relationship with you but you're just thinking about Dawson that would have been such an incredible scene or sequence to not get using Joey's ladder Jen makes her way into Dawson's bedroom telling him that Gramps isn't doing so hot and she feels like she's losing everyone these days reiterating that she blew it with Dawson she then asks Dawson if she can sleep over like the way Joey does. And as they lay in bed together, she begins to sob as Sarah McLaughlin's angel begins to play non-diagetically. <laughs> uh, does anybody else have a emotional, visceral reaction to this song? Oh, 100%. Since uh, I am adopted and my parents adopted me late, uh, which means all my family members are old, which means they're all dying constantly. And... <laughs> Uh, with that, between uh, funerals with friends, I feel like I've heard Sarah McLaughlin's Angel at least 15 times for 15 separate funerals. Yeah. Not to mention the commercial where it shows sad dogs yes. and cats mm. in cages. And Sarah McLaughlin is telling us that we're bad people because yes. we're not adopting them. <laughs> yeah. That's via infomercial. Yes. Yeah. That, every morning before going to school, I would be watching TV and Sarah McLaughlin's dog commercial would come on. <laughs> And I love doggies, so I can't help but watch it and feel sad about how bad of a person I am. Yeah. So I was glad to see it here where I feel just like a bad person for watching this fucking TV show. <laughs> At least now, I, like, I, di- I chose to be a bad person. I, I deserve to listen to this. Yeah, this song flows in a little bit. It kind of roller coasters up and down with the volume on the track. Yeah. But 
it goes into the next scene too. And kind of like the roller coaster of life, if you think about it. Oh my God. <laughs> that is true. And the, I still, to this moment right now, cannot tell if I am emotionally connected to what's happening on screen within this Jen sequence and the Joey sequence, or if I'm just being manipulated by Sarah McLaughlin. Yeah. Sarah McLaughlin, write us. Tell us about yeah. what it's like to have this much power <laughs> over an entire generation of people. I think that this scene with Jen and Dawson is absolutely heartbreaking. Um, I think the emotion on in Jen's voice when she is talking about how she's losing everybody, I have this clip here really quick. I'm going to play it. But this is, um, I don't know. I really just appreciated Jen's performance, or sorry, Michelle Williams' performance here as Jen. Let's take a listen. How's your grandfather? <laughs> it doesn't really look too good. I think I'm losing him. I feel like I'm losing everybody. God, I'm really sorry, Jen. One, what about Dawson's flat uh, flat line read there? How's your grandfather doing? <laughs> I'm really oh, sorry. Man, Jen, I'm so sorry. But Jen, just how lonely and isolated does she feel? She's in a completely foreign area, right? She's in fucking... Dawson's Cape Side, that's the name of the town. She it should, you know, it should be called Dawson Town. Should be called Dawson Town. <laughs> yeah. Uh, she left New York, the big city I'm walking here, where all of her friends are, and now she's here, and the only person that she really wants some comfort from, besides her grandfather, is Dawson. And wow, what a poor choice that could be because he is completely emotionally vacant. He's and, not here. And like she said, he's half she feels like he's half here. He's not even half <laughs> he's there. Not, yeah. <laughs> Like, I think he is mentally completely elsewhere. He might as well mm-hmm. be a, he might as well literally just be an AI. Especially like when they're laying in the bed, he looks so Ooh. not there. Like he looks oh, so yeah. uncomfortable and just like uninterested. Not, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. that at least that makes sense because uh, yeah. he's in love with Joey or totally. whatever. But right. yeah. to this point, the fact that she's like, yeah, you know, I'm having a really hard time here. And he's like, just a full data response. Wow. It seems like you are going through a lot of emotional trouble. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like, what the fuck? Yeah, duh, dude. Also, just, again, Michelle Williams is so good and so poorly used. Like, with, Mm -hmm. you know, you're giving her, like, two beats. I can't imagine what it would have been like to direct her to do this, too. Because she, what's going on in her mind? She's like, I can do this in my sleep at this point. And it's like, oh, Jen, okay, so what you're, what what this scene is, is you're going to be really sad. And she goes, yep, I know. I've been doing that for 13 episodes. Okay, (laughs) but this, but this time you're sad because, because Gramps is, is dead and, and, and you, and you really care about Gramps and you care about Dawson. Remember how much you love Dawson? Remember how much you love Dawson? Okay, don't be sad. Okay, and action. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Michelle. And then we'll just throw on Sarah McLaughlin's song over this. (laughs) Now imagine that you're about to get the biggest ice cream cone you've ever seen. (laughs) Okay, you got that. What flavor is it? Okay, no, 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 don't tell me. Just think about it. Okay, great. (laughs) Now... Somebody just took it away. In action! <laughs> so sad. sad. He'd, be a, he'd be a really good director. Yeah, thank you. I've, I mean, you know, I like to play these games in my head. Also, uh, how symbolic is it that Jen is using Joey's ladder? Yeah, she becomes that. Joey for an evening. Yes. She's using the ladder. She's in bed, like, cuddling or whatever. And yeah. Episode should have been called Joey for an evening. <laughs> um, I, I mean, this... This scene made me sad, but I felt like Jen throughout the episode, her, the way that she's expressing her sadness felt very like one note to Mm -hmm. me. And, um, I didn't feel very like convinced. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's the only note that she's allowed to have. Yeah. 
I think it also is a bit of the... I was going to say poor writing. I'm sorry. But I think this episode just has poor writing because think about from Jen's perspective, what does she know about her grandfather's condition? Basically fucking nothing. I mean, like all we've seen is like, oh, he's awake, but he's getting tests done and he was asleep still. You know, like they even probably in this moment, they're like, yeah, we know he's going to die. So we, mm-hmm. we, as the characters and as the production team, we know that you have to be very sad. What do we know from the script standpoint? Not a lot. So just, you know, just, be, just pretend that he's, he's dying and everything's bad. Yeah. Why? Why should that be my motivation? Well, because that's where it ends. But that's not enough. So it just ends up with this very confusing performance where we're like, why are you actually sad? Are you actually sad? Because... Even in that scene that I just played, it's almost like she's excited. She's got that giddy, nervous laughter, which reads as excitement, but then she's sad, which is, I think, to your point, the one note she has is this, like, mm-hmm. nervous anticipation. Yeah, kind of like earlier when she was like, I feel like I want to yeah. get out and party, but she wasn't really excited. She was, it was yeah. that middle ground of, like... Trepidation. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we need to be a four-person production team on Dawson's Creek. <laughs> Reboot. All my favorite shows only have four people behind the scenes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and three of those people have absolutely no experience doing it, right? It's, there's only one person who has any kind of experience doing anything like that. I was just talking about American movie. <laughs> Coven sounds like Coven. In between the prison yard fence, Joey confronts her dad for not ever really knowing her. Through tears, she says she turned out pretty good and that she'll be okay without him. As her vulnerability catches up with her, she asks if he loves her and if he ever thinks about her, to which he says more than you'll ever know as he begins to cry. She wants him to elaborate as she admits to feeling as though no one in the world loves or cares about her in a truly bizarre left turn that spoils this genuinely moving sequence. Daddy Potter says that he's not the only one who loves her and brings up, you guessed it, Dawson Leary, (laughs) saying that he knows he loves her because he looks at her the same way Joey's mom used to look at him. He tells her that she needs to tell Dawson she loves him before it's too late. As Sarah McLaughlin's angel cuts in once again, Joey touches her dad's hands through the fence and tells him that she loves him. When we watched this, I think we had to pause it because we were both laughing so hard <laughs> for a really long time. It was just like mm-hmm. unbelievable. Unbelievable. Oh. I, this is the first time that this show has actually genuinely moved me in. And again, like mm-hmm. Katie Holmes gets a lot of flack for being right. not a great actor. I thought up until the point that they were talking about Dawson, I thought she did a very good job at delivering these not very good lines about what it feels like to be a kid and not feel like you're mm-hmm. being seen or loved. Totally. I thought she was fucking killing it. And I thought daddy Potter was doing a great job too. And then for whatever fucking reason, the rug is pulled out beneath all of us and we have to talk about Dawson Leary <laughs> out of everyone on earth. Yeah. Ugh. I was so emotionally confused because I definitely cried in the first part of the scene, like her, Joey talking to her dad and, and kind of finally breaking through this like tough girl persona and finally being vulnerable felt very like, you know, I have a great relationship with my dad now, but I did not have a great relationship with my dad growing up. And, you know, there was a long period of time where I was like kind of the way Joey thinks about her dad and talks about her dad. So this felt like conversations I had had with my dad. I felt like I was there. 
But then when they turn it to Dawson, I'm like still weeping. And then like, wait, <laughs> wait, what? what? How yeah. did we get here? And then I feel fucking sick. And I'm yeah. like, Ugh, why? It's you know, so it's like you haven't talked to your daughter in how many years? And you're going to do you want to talk about Dawson? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. To her? You don't want to know about her? <laughs> the only like, through what? line that I can see is that it's like, you know, daughter, you do not want to make the same mistakes that I made with like oh, fucking right, up on right. love. That's the only yeah. thing. But to use that goddamn moment. Yeah. Yeah. After all of this. Yeah. You don't want disturbing. to fuck up <sighs> romantically and make all these mistakes with the people you love, which is exactly why you need to go tell this high school boy that you've known since you were a little <laughs> person that you love them, that they are the person for you. You are what? 14? No, 15? Yeah. This is definitely the person for you, Joey. Go fucking pour your heart out. Don't make a mistake like I did. Are you fucking serious? And I, too, to this point, the fact that they're 15 year olds, and I'm sure that our, a majority of our listener base is going to be older, no. but for the, the, the maybe 1% of people that are younger that are actually listening to this show, if you are 15 years old, uh, it's okay. Yeah. This is not going to last, but that's okay. Have fun. Mm-hmm. And it might last. And if but, it does, that's great. Yeah. But don't treat it like it has to last because that's the one way to guarantee it's not going to last. <laughs> this is this is not 1820 yeah. and you are not going to get yeah. married next month. Also, like, I love how unrealistic this whole thing was with like, this would never fly. Like meeting through a fence at a prison. For 20 bucks. For 20 bucks. <laughs> yeah. What? We, Why we, couldn't they just have her go to have to go to like the next visitor's? <laughs> time to cody's point yeah let's get a carbon copy we're already fucking copying every goddamn thing we do anyway we didn't mention it earlier but this prison is the size of a small apartment complex yeah. summer camp for adults <laughs> so like, you don't want to be dealing with your wife and kids anymore well let's go to prison yeah <laughs> the the prison yard like there was no like there was like one fence with some barbed wire yeah. on it and they're like, yep, that's it. Yep. And then it was like a one floor building. Yeah. And her like, dad looks super healthy and like, yeah. he's kind of glowing. Like what? Yeah, he's had a glow up for sure. Yeah. His thriving. hair is all swooped. Yeah. yeah. Emotional king in prison. Yeah. He's just like, you know what? I don't want to get out. I actually really like it here. I've got yeah. some friends. People love me. I don't have to sell drugs to survive. Maybe it's a resort and everyone's just been lying to Joey and Bessie. <laughs> Oh, it's terrible. You don't want to go there. Yeah, yeah. Only bad people go to prison. Um, The only other thing that I felt a little bit confused about is that, like, her asking if he loves her and he's like, yeah, I think about you all the time. Like, does he he not write letters? Does he not... Do they not have any phone calls where he's, like... I don't know. I just have a hard time or like well, where Bessie is like, t- right. Well, tell like Joey's been closed off. I guess even if he were to write letters or have a phone call, maybe Joey's been turned off to that or something. Yeah. Possibly. Yeah. I think it's yeah. just before the 1-800 collect commercials. You know, <laughs> I had a baby eats a boy. Like it just doesn't exist yet. So daddy can't figure out. I mean, she's so closed off from daddy. I mean, yes, yeah. no, that makes sense. But I just like would at least imagine dad writing letters like, you know, missing you, thinking of you, there being some communication from his end. So Joey is not just like, do you even know I exist? Like, But also to that point that even if he, he is writing those things, you're not feeling it when you read it on a piece of paper. Yeah. Yeah, you I need bet. to hear him say those things. Right. Yeah. It could be Bessie being like, here, dad wrote us a letter. And she's like, okay, you know, throws yeah. it out or whatever. Joey, like, did you hear dad got his hair braided and he got his face <laughs> painted yesterday? <laughs> he, got a, he got a tiger painted on his face. <laughs> Joey. 
Look, he, he included a little turkey with his hand. Oh, happy Thanksgiving, Dad. I'd love to go to that prison. That sounds nice. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, I think that just got a little too emotional, and we need to go dry some tears. So, Crying um, so hard. One more commercial break here before we close out the episode. Bye. Hey, everyone. Just wanted to thank you for listening. It really means a lot to us. If you're enjoying the show, consider subscribing so you never miss an episode. Or if you've already subscribed, go ahead and give us a rating. It only takes a few seconds and it can make a huge difference for our show. So thanks in advance. Back to the show. To the tune of every millennial's favorite slow song at a sixth grade dance, Edwin McCain's I'll Be, Joey's canoes her way to Dawson's dock just as inside his room he and Jen awake as Joey climbs through the window Jen is giving a very uncomfortable looking Dawson a kiss Joey jumps away flying down the ladder and back to the canoe Dawson rushes to put his shoes on to chase after her telling Jen he doesn't want her to have the wrong idea when Jen asks if he loves Joey he says he doesn't know when he finally makes it down the ladder and to the end of the dock Joey is nowhere to be found first thing I am not one to ever criticize something for not being too realistic because guys we're watching a tv show it's it's not you know whatever joey okay if you're standing at the end of the dock and you look to your left you look to your right you get at least like half a mile of visibility either way which means that in those like 30 seconds that dawson ran slid down that ladder ran down the boardwalk or whatever the fuck to look for her she canoed with the biggest arms <laughs> on planet earth just flying through that creek no 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 what are you is talking she hiding? about no you think she's hiding no, no is she I underneath the dock with a little i have a theory no. i have a theory Ooh. she's like, a vampire she she's in the a, water she's a mermaid oh, oh my gosh okay i like <laughs> Under it the that's, sea. Yeah, that's the only explanation <laughs> that does well that she's could explain mermaid. why she's not soaking wet all the time you know because she just mm-hmm. absorbs all that water mm. yeah I was thinking this is a good evidence of what we were talking about. Well, I was just pointing at you, Cody, but I think I was actually the person who was talking about how this is all a uh, WandaVision simulation, but Mm -hmm. that this could just be a simulation. She actually gets in the canoe. She rose just conveniently out of frame, and then just like on a TV set, she just like drops down just out of view, right? It's it's like the Truman Show, (laughs) ironically, (laughs) which was released right around the release of this episode. Mm. It was rising in popularity around this time. So maybe this is all a Truman Show, but Mm. I think it's actually she's probably just a mermaid. That seems way more realistic. I know. Especially with what we know about all these fucking vampires and things. Absolutely. I just wish she had like the arms of a pro wrestler. Like (laughs) I just want to see her with huge shoulders and biceps (laughs) and just gets in that canoe just like the water She rose like 20 feet with her first (laughs) 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 run. Takes flight. (laughs) Uh, Question for you all. Have you ever slow danced to I'll be... By Edwin McCain. Do you mean this song? I don't think so. Oh, God. That takes me back so hard to being a kid immediately. I feel like that was everywhere, even if it wasn't, you know, like yes. in my memory, that is what's playing on every radio or every car stereo. You know what I mean? It's just like, that's yep. everywhere. 
Uh, like I've said a million times before, rock and roll in the 90s died after Kurt Cobain died. And afterwards, we just got bad music. And I would say <laughs> Edward McCain's I'll Be is, yeah. ooh, that is the bottom of the barrel for rock and roll. Boo. Wow. I don't know if you've heard of a song called Iris by the Goo Dolls. <laughs> mm, yeah. It's been a similar vein of just like pure candy coated trash. Yeah. I, there's something about having a, a string section it yeah. like with like the peak, like the crescendo of these big rock songs that is so corny and also beautiful. So beautiful. I've been singing the song all week or the last two yeah. or three weeks since we watched this episode. And uh, my version of it is from the perspective <laughs> of someone named Albie. So they, get, they go, Albie, Albie, Albie. <laughs> and I cannot get it out of my head. And, yeah, you know, it's I stuck in my head. His version. Oh, no. Oh, no. Uh, on my deathbed, I've talked about how uh, <laughs> Joey's song uh, from Les Mis would be in the in rattling around in my empty skull while I'm drifting off to the ether. But I think Albie, Albie. <laughs> <laughs> it's also going to be in there. Wow. I really like that. It's like a Dobby kind of character in my head. He's a little house. Oh, sure. Dobby yeah. from, of course. Uh, yeah, R.I.P. Oh, Potter. Maybe. <gasps> oh. Maybe Albie is the Potter family house. <laughs> elf? No, elf. elf? House okay, elf. Here we go. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, Albie. Just as racist as. Uh, Probably. Uh, oh, wait, no, it's. it's I'm trying. I'm getting my house elves mixed up. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Uh-oh. It's a creature, right, that's from so Harry Potter? That's like the racist elf. That's right. The HP heads. <laughs> Don't tweet us. Uh, <laughs> yes, please. Yeah, the the, um, the 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 Malfoys. Yes, um, right. Yeah. Or no, it's that is Sirius Black's house. Yes, yes, yes. In the Black House, they have a house elf named Creature, who's like mud blood. This mud uh, blood. That uh, right. disgusting creature. Creature. We hate you. Albie, Albie, Cancel. creature, creature. <laughs> Albie is, he's woke. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to our new podcast. Woke uh, Elf? Woke, <laughs> woke Albie? Oh, God, that's great. Uh, second f- uh, uh, piece of merch for Freaks and Creeks. It just says Woke Elf. <laughs> uh, what is Edwin McCain? So in the, people uh, that are listening to us in the commercial break, we were talking about Maya Hawk and how she looks exactly like Uma Thurman and Ethan Hawk mixed together. So what I need to know is what does the mix of Edwin McCain and Dobby the house elf look like? Because that's what Albie looks like. And that's what we need on the back of this t-shirt. Uh, I feel like... Um in I don't know if I've ever seen Edwin McCain but in my mind. <laughs> in my mind, I imagine that he has the exact same haircut as Nicole Kidman's country musician husband. Uh, oh my god, no, he doesn't at all. He has a long, yeah, long, long hair. Beautiful locks. Wow. Ooh, wow. And then later on he grows a, a soul patch and loses the long, Ooh. beautiful locks. Oh my god. You gotta throw some ears on that photo and you got yourself a house elf uh, <laughs> Alvy. Yeah, I think we're going to need to pause this episode for like 20 minutes while we get this figured out because <laughs> I'm very interested in what this is going to look like. Uh, <laughs> I can't stop. Ooh, Edwin McCain. Good song, though. Yeah, great song. Great song. Really captures the emotion that we are going for in this episode or, or that I, I feel the writers were going for. Sappy, you know, like dripping with emotion, like... um it, it, it's like saccharin, right? It's just like Absolutely. so fucking emotional. If Albie Albie and Iris 
where like the, the TV show versions of those songs is Dawson's Creek. <laughs> it's sappy, has these like big emotional moments that aren't earned. <laughs> it's uh, lyrically just like dialogue, uh, tremendously not good. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Dawson's face when Jen is kissing him on the cheek. Oh, frozen so in fear. He's terrified. Yeah. Which really harkens back to that first episode when, he, when uh, you know, Creekheads, you'll know, I called this out. He looked terrified when he finally yes. got to have his like hug dance with Jen in that first episode. And he has that terrified look on his face here, albeit for different reasons. So, I don't know what that means, but something. Albeit, Albi, Albi, Albi will be. Oh man, Albi's going to be in the rest of our podcast. Um, Maybe he can be our first guest. <laughs> <laughs> Edward McCain, if you're listening. Um, I feel. Let's see. I don't know. Um. Confused by Jen's actions. Like she seems aware. She seems pretty aware that Dawson is developing strong feelings for Joey. And for her to, I don't know, kind of like insert herself like that and give him a smooch seems out of, maybe out of character for her. It feels weird. Mm-hmm. Jenna's supposed to be a smart character. How could she not read his body language? Yeah. Frozen oh, yeah. in fear, eyes wide, staring at the ceiling. It feels like a complete and total act of desperation. Like she can read, mm-hmm. like to our points, she can read this written on his face that he is so not here. And she, if we were to project this kind of 90s idea of what being a sexually promiscuous teen is, um, that she is just throwing herself at Dawson to try to win him over, to win him back, maybe. That that she thinks this might work. That's mm-hmm. that's it. It's either that or it's Albie is here and he <laughs> is like, please kiss him. Well mm, demonic elf. You saying that, James, I don't know, made me think like, you know, we know that she has this past where she's had like potentially a lot right. of relationships and maybe that's just how she's dealt with feelings before when she's sad or having a hard time she just kind of maybe throws herself at someone like sexually or you know romantically um so i wonder if she's just kind of doesn't really know how to deal with all her feelings and well and she's definitely in 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 a a vulnerable state right now where she's looking for somebody to comfort her and yeah we can easily project that to being physical you know not emotional comfort but physical comfort as well um, so I think it's, it's definitely within reason that that's what she's doing, but it looks really, it's uncomfy. It's Very super uncomfy. And she is smarter than this to know that then to know, you know, I don't know. It's, it, it just doesn't feel right. Yeah. And it's, then, and then when Dawson like tries to go after Joey, Jen's kind of like, d- she kind of discourages. Yeah. Him, she right? says yeah. She, she'll be okay. Yeah. It's like, what? Yeah, yet again, this show fucking forgets about the shit that it does because just last episode, Jen, you were glowing Joey up, trying to build her into like this neck, the future Joey that's going to like rule the world. And now you're just like, yeah, fuck her. Who cares? Mm -hmm. Also, another way of it forgetting what it is, it was two episodes we were talking about how it must have been weird for uh, 
Jen when Cliff kissed her after asking for her consent and then just going right. for it anyways. I mean, that was like a big thing. And yeah. then now we're having Jen doing the exact same thing, even without yeah. asking permission, right. just right. going in for it. Just so assuming yeah. that, be, that he wants this. Yeah. Yep. Ugh. Awkward. The I don't think I have felt a moment of anxiety or dread born from a TV show quite like I have <laughs> when Joey is fucking rowing her boat up the creek to come to Dawson's house and Dawson is in bed with with Jen. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. I was having a like I was so sweaty feeling and so like oh my god this is going to be bad this is going to be bad oh my, god, like, oh my god oh my god it was like one of those moments where you're like don't do it yeah. stop yeah that's Which how is, it felt it's the first it time I feel like in this season too that we've actually gotten yeah. a moment like this where it's like ooh this is this feels like breaking bad yeah. season 4 <laughs> yeah. like this is yeah. very intense it was yeah i was impressed that i had that kind of uh like response to this mm-hmm. Albie Albie. Albie Albie. That's what I got to say. And poor, poor Joey. She was so excited to tell Dawson that she was finally honest with her dad and, you know, and that oh. she realizes that the, the feelings and then uh, it's just, that yeah, it's heart, that moment. So heartbreaking. heartbreaking. And I'm glad uh. that they did that and that they didn't do what I was half expecting them to do, which was perfectly timed. In the nick of time, Jen gets out of bed and walks into the hall bathroom just as Joey pops in her head. And Dawson's like, oh, um, let's talk later. I have to shit or something. <laughs> and then she leaves. Oh, I kind of actually want that. You now, want that? But not really. What I would want is Jen gets up, leaves the room for a little bit. Joey comes in. They have a conversation the entire time. Dawson is trying to be like, uh, yeah. Joey, w- do you want to have this right. conversation outside maybe? Yeah. And, then, yeah, yeah. and then Jen comes in and Joey goes, <laughs> and yeah. then runs yeah. out the window. That would actually make that scene the the same payoff. And then they better. fight. <laughs> yeah, fist yeah. fight. Uh, I'm trying to remember. I felt a lot of stress with that moment building up, but I also felt a lot of stress for the stunt of Joey having to go down those wet ass ladder little rails going down because it looked like it was pouring rain when oh. they shot that. Hmm. Can't imagine. Noticed. What if she did the cool fireman slide down though? That would have been sick as hell. Anybody remember soap shoes? Oh, yeah, where you could grind with your yes. shoes? Yes. What? Okay, people, go Google <laughs> soap shoes. I think they still exist. They were shoes that had a rigid insole so that they were kind of like stiff. And then in the mid part of the foot, right where the arch of your foot is, there was a little plastic plate, and you could jump on things and then grind them, except without a skateboard or rollerblades. <laughs> were they like early roll, like, you know, those like roller skate shoes they have nowadays? Oh, Heelys? Like that, Heelys, kind of like that. It was a Heely without, without the a without, wheel. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and people did DIY mods to put soap, to put soap inserts on oh Heely's. And then I think either soap or Healy acquired the opposite. And now oh. there is a new product, I believe, or it might be just whatever the modern Healy slash soap is that is both together. Also, Healy's fucking sick. Very cool. We all need Healy's. Uh, there was a kid in my elementary school that had soaps and I... To this day, nothing has made me laugh harder than watching him <laughs> jump uh, on these tiny little rails yeah. for maybe less than half a second. Just go, pssst, and yeah. then you're done. It's like, great, cool. Can't believe that even was a thing. I had a pair of soaps because they were very cool. Oh, yeah. And the little plastic insert lasted maybe like five to <laughs> ten grinds. <laughs> and then you just have a sticky piece of plastic on your shoe. So they were removable, which is great, but... 
the the uh, the investment was just not there. You know. On three, do you want to name what character in the show would have soaps if he could? <laughs> oh yeah, definitely. One, two, three. Clancy. Clancy. <laughs> oh, Cliff. <laughs> Cliff. Sick. <laughs> Did you two both say Cliff? No, I, I, said, I, I said Paisy. I said Paisy. Yeah. You two said Paisy. Yeah. You two. Also, the band U2. Uh, <laughs> man, I saw U2 doing their Joshua Tree tour. And let me tell you, the entire time they were wearing soaps, Bono was grinding <laughs> that entire bowl, baby. He Insane. just had one little rail on the stage and he just kept going up and grinding that, the end of it. Just and then they covered I'll Be. By <laughs> Should we talk about Dawson's Creek? <laughs> no! Oh, no. Can we just skip the next one scene? <laughs> Jen goes home to find Grams on the front porch who had just witnessed the entire doc chase. When she asks how Gramps is doing, Grams says she was with him all night and will be going to church later. When she asks a very shaken Jen what's wrong, Jen holds back to which Grams once again pries and tells Jen to come to church with her for comfort. Jen goes into the house where she finds a framed photo of Gramps and hugs it while contorting her body into the fetal position of sadness. Has anyone here ever spooned a framed picture of someone that they loved? I don't think so. Say that I have. No, don't think so. Not yet. What are you doing later? <laughs> uh, very frustrating. Very, very frustrating as uh, someone who's been in Jen's, or yes, in Jen's position of being like, I have a serious problem on my hands and everyone's advice being like, well, have you prayed about it? Do you want to go to church about it? Do you want to pray about it? There are only so many suggestions of going to church and praying about it that one can take. Very frustrating. I think, you know, part of me is very frustrated by things like this where, to your point, let's go pray about it, right? Let's go to church or whatever. Um, because I think it, it, they're just trying, Graham's, they're just trying to do something something that they think is going to help each other, whatever the situation. Um, but when you're grieving and they're, they're grieving something that hasn't happened yet, but like what's more important isn't like just being present, but being there, you know what I mean? Like yeah. being emotionally present, not just physically present. And to me, that has what has always bothered me about that kind of thing is, Hey, do you want to go be in the same room together somewhere else? And with guilt and also where we're not actually, we're, we're focusing on something else that's taking us out of the moment. Doesn't that sound great? Yeah. Instead of uh, processing our emotions together and realizing how this is affecting both of us and how it's a shared experience, do you want to just deflect? Yeah, exactly. So I'm going to give a quick shout out to a very popular podcast that needs no uh, shout out from us, but this conversation feels very relevant to the conversation that was just happening on unspooled where they were talking about the movie midsummer in which they were talking about midsummer being a film really about processing grief in how in this, this tribe uh, that the film is all about the Scandinavian tribe, they actively process grief with the people there. That's what they're doing is they're embracing death and reflecting the emotions back at the, the main character versus the American culture which is all just about being there but not being with you and this feels kind of relevant to what we're talking about now so go listen to that podcast episode because it's really really good and they do a much better way of talking about it than mm. they did. it's their newest episode release so as yeah. of the recording of as, this as of, as of the recording of this right that's very cool i didn't know they did that uh love ari aster but that that yeah. sequence where florence Pugh, yes. her character realizes that um her partner has cheated on her and she goes and everyone cries with yeah. her mm-hmm. and they're like matching her like vocal pitch and her screams is like yeah. one of the most profoundly interesting things I've seen on the silver screen. Yeah. yeah. Very cool. It's, yeah. And apparently it's 
a real moment, not a, you know, like that was a, a real emotional roller coaster that all of those actresses mm-hmm. went through together. Not like a let's put this on and make it seem like we're crying, but like let's actually get ourselves there, which makes it even more raw and real. Unlike what we're seeing, <laughs> yeah, I, like, I wish we were just talking about Midsummer. Yeah. That's so much <laughs> Can more we just do an episode of a Midsummer? Fuck, yeah. <laughs> why, why are we talking about all Stella? These you're gonna have to watch it. <laughs> Hard uh, pass. <laughs> uh, Midsummer, especially compared to that earlier <laughs> sequence when Christian is holding her while she's screaming and he's yes. just like staring off into the corner of the room while she's like grieving. Feels yeah. very Man. much like Dawson holding. Yes. Oh, yes. Yes, 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 yes. In that last scene. Sorry, we're just getting back into Dawson's Creek here, baby. Yep. We're there. Oh, fuck. In a hectic montage set to Melody Christendon's not great cover of Broken Road, we cut back and forth between Joey and Dawson continuously missing each other as they hop around various capeside locations. Joey in deep contemplation, Dawson in search for her, and sandwiched between the sequences, Jen getting the call from the hospital informing her that Gramps has left this earthly realm. Could not fucking believe that in this stupid montage of just missing each other by mere seconds, <laughs> we just happen. Like, if you weren't paying that close enough of attention, you would have completely missed the fact that they call up Jen and say, yeah, Gramps is gone. Like, it yeah. is a blink and you'll miss that sequence. Uh, <laughs> it is unreal. Another one of those, yeah. I, I did think is in that moment, it was interesting that uh, Jen's the one to answer the phone and find out first that Gramps has passed uh you know because earlier of course we heard him actually say goodbye to jen and rather than grams being the one to answer the phone and tell jen the news so and it's just another play too to this like whole evangelical christian thing is like a very upsetting thing at least from my viewpoint is i've seen christians they'll lose people in their life and their response is not as affected by it because they just go well i'm just going to see them again in heaven So it's like very subdued. It's Mm -hmm. like there's a sadness there, obviously, for losing someone. But a lot of the responses, well, I'm comforted in knowing that I'll see them in probably, I don't know, a couple decades and everything's fine. So the fact that Jen is the one to get the call, at least to this point, we are still to believe that she's agnostic or atheist or what have Mm -hmm. you. So it's for her to process more so than Graham's. If Graham's were to get that call, she'd be like, well, okay. Right. Yeah. Sounds good. Thank you. And then she would have to pass that news on to Jen Mm -hmm. with her filter of like... He's with our heavenly father now. The religion, so yeah. Yeah. Well, see, all right, look, here is where... (laughs) I think you guys are making a big mistake because (laughs) you all are saying he's dead, right? (laughs) He gets the call, oh, no, no, Gramps. Yeah, we don't actually see him die, right? What what does she say? He's gone. (gasps) Gone, Mm. you say. Gone is not dead. Dead is not gone. Gone (laughs) is gone. He has escaped the hospital, not because he's dead, <laughs> but because oh, he is, is a zombie undead. Yes. <gasps> yes. Oh. So I believe that the reason that, you know, Jen is the one who gets the call is because she can't handle that because she is not a spiritual person. However, Grams is a spiritual person. She hears he's gone and she's like, I'm going to see him later. <laughs> I could just imagine the montage then including the yes. zo- like every time we yeah, see Dawson like at looking at yeah. and then there's... <laughs> Gramps in the background. <laughs> <laughs> at, at, at the same like secluded dock yeah. from the sequence. <laughs> Just sitting on a bench somewhere. <laughs> I kind of wish that they had turned this into an arrested development joke. Like when they go to the hospital and they're like, George is no longer with us. And like, do you mean that he's no longer in the hospital or he <laughs> <Yeah>. is dead? <laughs> yeah. Uh 
something funny about the montage that I noticed. Um, right after Jen says he's gone, we go back to Dawson running around, right? At the side of the, the scene right after we see Jen, you can see Jen and Pacey walking on the boardwalk, like on the right side of the screen, just mm-hmm. before it, like, because it's like passing, you know, it's like going by Dawson, like as he looks. It, they're kind of in the distance, blurred a little, but they That's were there. Fun. Yeah. Weird. There must have been a deleted it wasn't, scene from what this episode. A choice. Yeah, it wasn't supposed to be obvious. I think they were just like supposed to be background bodies, but you know, yeah. yeah. But you notice that, and then that makes us notice that, and then that makes <laughs> me say, Jen and Pacey? Oh. I'll take it. Also, background bodies, good doom metal band name. Yeah. <laughs> Jen walks into a mostly empty church, overcome by the religious iconography, to find Graham silently praying to herself. When Jen sits next to her, Graham's prays out loud for God to keep Gramps safe, and Jen pipes in with a, and for me too. At that, Graham's begins to sob, saying how much she misses him, and Jen takes her into her arms. And there you have it, folks, the religious emotional catharsis that nobody asked for. Boo. Seemed like a large, nice church for Capeside. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, true. Also, very Catholic. Yeah. Was it? That's what I was wondering. It was Catholic, right? Because that iconography is very. Look, I'm like, no it reminded religious. me of my grandparents. So, grand, my, I, my family's Italian, Catholic Italians. My grandparents were like Catholic Italians. And this, like, the, the Jen seeing the iconography and becoming like. That yeah. moment of it, that it actually reminded me of like going into my grandparents' house and seeing some of that iconography because it's almost like haunting. Oh, yeah. When you yeah. see oh, yeah. it. Yeah. I went so. to a, um, when my parents divorced, we moved back to Texas for a little while and I went to a Catholic school in that interim time. And I have so many like weird visceral memories of being and you'd have to go to church service as a part of Catholic school mm-hmm. and what, and looking up at those statues and they all just have those terrifying expressions yeah. on their face of just this like vacant dread generally, mm-hmm. you know, it's like I'm dying. It's just the expression that it gives <laughs> off. It's terrifying. And that's what Jen's like. She's like, he's yeah. dead. He, he, they're all dead. Well, I imagine, you know, this church is pretty nice looking, but they, uh, they're tax ex- exempt. So they can use yeah. all their money as, you know, to put in these horrifying statues and pointless stained glass art. Beautiful. Yeah, it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. I, uh, yeah, I hate, I hate this. And I don't, again, I don't hate it because of the religious content. I just hate it because of how predictable it is about how it makes kind of a, it, what, it, to me, what it does is it makes the, it makes a joke out of Jen's lack of belief, I guess. In the, I guess, I guess, <laughs> I guess, I guess in yeah. the beginning, right? Like in the beginning, she is so clear throughout the entire series, really. She is very clear about her lack of belief and about how she believes not only that it's not important, but that it just doesn't matter at all to her or to anybody. So then to have this, it's like, okay, cool. So then any, you know, like. Is she playing along? It's hard to tell. It is. I really don't. I really don't. Yeah. It's hard to say. I don't know. It's hard to say because I almost feel like she's just wants to comfort Grams because clearly Grams is just like torn. I mean, she's wailing, you know, so like this is not the moment for Jen to insert her Mm -hmm. like... Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. It's like, it's not appropriate for her to be like, God is dead. Yeah, like, yeah. Just be so, like, okay, whatever. Yeah, I'm sorry, yeah. Grams. But then at the, I mean, okay, look. Yeah, you're right. Like, that's what I'm, that's what I was saying earlier about like the kind of cliffhanger for the, for Jen here is like, 
Yeah. Well, uh, what's this? Traje- what's her trajectory next season? Is it going to be like her becoming closer to Grams with religion, or are they are they going to like resolve their differences? Yeah. Or I don't know. Yeah. And to to what I said earlier as well, like one time in a church does not make you religious. One time praying, and even in that in that same like line, she didn't really pray. She just was, and me too, right? So yeah. like it's not necessarily that she had this full on conversion, but I do think in media. It is effectively a conversion. Sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, like, this is the... If, if they did not get the second season renewal, this is the final scene of Jen. So, the, like, there is a through line from the first episode mm-hmm. where the Chekhov's gun plot point for her is going, I am definitely never going to believe in God. And then the last scene with her is going, well, I'm going to yeah. figuratively right. say that God is real by right. yeah. acknowledging it through this way. And yeah, that's if, a good point, yeah. If you yeah. don't think that that is strange just think about it this way what if grams in the final episode of this show was like you know what what we really need we got to go to synagogue and they went to a <laughs> synagogue and prayed that's what it is that's to me why it feels strange yeah. to suddenly have jen go to church and take place in prayer she believe we don't need to have a whole discussion on religion, but that's just, it just feels very strange to me. And that's why I think it doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Yeah. I mean, I mean, like we already talked about it. The only, the only way that I can see it making sense for Jen is to be like, I'm going to put my shit aside just to comfort grandma. I'm going to tell her what she wants to hear. And then next week I can tell her that God is dead and the earth is not 6,000 years old. (laughs) Yeah. Like that's hopefully where the show goes. I don't know. And I can also see it as I need comfort in this moment too. And I'm willing to try anything, even if I don't believe in this, because I have Mm -hmm. been there myself as a non-believing atheist who has been varying levels of very non-believing over my years. Like there have definitely been times where I'm like, I feel absolutely horrible. Maybe prayer will make me feel better. And then it, didn't <laughs> but that you know doesn't mean that i didn't try it yeah authentically and, in that moment and like you said earlier jen is extremely vulnerable and lonely in this moment because the only person that she could turn to was dawson who Who's, uh became yeah. an android when she tried to kiss him so yeah. she's like wow i literally have no one except for grams who right. is a nutcase so i guess this is what i got and i have to work with what i got so. yeah and even like she even grams isn't comforting her she's comforting grams yeah, so right. even even then she's i'm sure she feels alone <laughs> And not only did Dawson not be there for her in that moment, he said that Joe, he doesn't want Joey to have the wrong idea about us. So, you know, our entire relationship into this point has been romantic. Suddenly that's the wrong idea about our relationship, throwing it back in her face. So, yeah, I mean, I think that this is kind of an origin story for a lot of people finding religion in their lives. You know, they go through something really challenging, something really hard. They lose connections with a lot of people and the people that are there for them are people in the church. And that's what gives them comfort. And there's nothing wrong with that. Take comfort in whatever you need to in your life. So, hey, Jen, if you were real and if you were listening to this show, I would say good for you. I'm happy that you found it. But don't take me to church like the song says. (laughs) (laughs) Don't take me to church. (laughs) (laughs) I'll be, I'll be. Dawson rushes into his bedroom where he finds Joey sitting in the closet once again in the I saw her face the ring girl pose when he tries to explain the whole Jen sitch from that morning. She plays it cool by saying that they're just friends. There's no reason to explain. They get into the relationship status and Joey makes it clear that they're stuck in the same everyday loop that they've always been in and France is starting to look like a great outlet for her to finally grow up. They dig deeper 
and she says she's tired of them beating around the bush, and he agrees. But when she brings up honesty complicating their situation, he's tight-lipped. She turns to leave through his window, but Dawson grabs her and kisses her, and in turn, she kisses back, evolving into a passionate smooch from which we fade to zooming out from the outside of Dawson's window to the full Leary household, mirroring the establishing shot from the pilot, all set to say goodnight by Beth Nielsen Chapman. Closing to credits. Mm. I'll be Albie. How romantic, right? This, this is yeah. how... This is the most romantic thing I've ever seen. Very in romantic. I almost thought for a second there while we're watching this that Dawson wasn't going to say anything and Joe was going to go out that window and that's how it end. It, you know, I wouldn't put it past this show kind mm-hmm. of at, mm-hmm. at, at this point in time to just be like, uh, yeah, yeah, all right, that seems right. Let's just have him just stand there, just staring in the middle distance as she is pouring her heart out at him. I don't know when this show got renewed, but if <laughs> if they had ended season one with her just going out the window and then him just standing there, this show would have been dumped. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Okay, so we talked about how this show, Dawson's Creek, uses teen dialogue in a way that's different, right? They, they, they speak way, in a way that ch- kids typically are not speaking. And here is Dawson calling that out in the fiction. We spend all of our time analyzing our sad little adolescent lives. I, I admit we know too many big words, but it, it's a good thing to analyze. But it doesn't get us anywhere. I mean, it doesn't move us forward. We're in the... Yeah. I agree with what Joey is saying in that point. It's not getting them anywhere to use all of these big words, which is exactly how I feel about this show. Why do we have all this crazy dialogue? <laughs> it does fucking nothing for us if all we're doing is the same thing over and over and over again. Yeah, and I think she continues to say, as much as our perception is dead on, our honesty is severely lacking. Yeah. So, words. Completely. It's just lots of words and no honesty there. No. Being around the bush, baby. Which I think is a through line for the archetype that Dawson has created that I think exists in... I don't know if it existed then, probably, you know, but it definitely exists now. This, like, full of nothing says all the right things but doesn't actually do anything person in the world. Mm -hmm. All bark and no bite. Mm, I see what you're saying there. (laughs) I'll be, I'll be. Um... You know, this, I feel like we see the same kind of beat um, get hit on four or five times in this episode of just like, give me one good reason why I shouldn't go or blah, blah, blah. And Mm -hmm. then Dawson not doing anything. It's just like over and over again, which felt exhausting. And then, I don't know. Yeah. Why do you think they did that? Is that like kevin williamson's romantic idea is like he really wanted to have that moment like give me one reason why i should stay and then whoever he's talking to kisses him is that like what he wanted in life and he never got it so he put it here because why else are we seeing this played out so many right. times and also like the framing of like growing up like growing up is ki- like the kiss is like we're growing we've grown up like right. th- this whole yeah it symbolizes commitment yeah commitment without or, commitment yeah Oh, talking about our feelings. Yeah. Because yeah. as we know, they kiss. And then what? Well, nothing. So what? You know? It's the end of their... It's the Child. it's the passage of childhood to adulthood. Mm-hmm. It's finally consummating a relationship that had been building for years. So you're saying a kiss is the pubic hair of... A kiss is pubic hair, yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, I like that. I don't... Is Kevin trying to tell... 
the audience that is supposed to find themselves within Dawson. Like they see Dawson as themselves. Is he saying, be confident, make decisions, like act on your beliefs, don't be vague, be true. Which I guess is like an, a, a, a okay, I guess that's mm-hmm. a message. But at the same time, Dawson's been a little shit. We still don't know if, it's such a muddled mm-hmm. message when we already have all these other points of Kevin Williamson maybe trying to say that Dawson is a shit character because it's an honest caricature of what it means to be a 15-year-old boy in the United States in 1998 of being a self-centered prick. But then for him to like grow up as him just basically saying like, I do love you, Joey, but that doesn't really solve any of those issues from beforehand and it's still self-centered and it's still... His self-actualization isn't actualization. It's just getting what he wanted the whole time and just admitting it. Yeah, because like when he tells Joey, "There, we are going to grow up." He is the look on his face kind of changes. Or you can tell he's just like the, in his mind. It's like I'm going to kiss you, and that's like us growing up, and we're, you know, yeah, it's, yeah, just and it, it's confusing. Especially when it's it's kind of. I mean, it isn't kind of. It is gross that Joey is saying it's time for me to grow up, and going to France mm-hmm. is that opportunity for me, and. Dawson kissing her negates that by saying, well, my version of growing up is more important than what your version of growing up is. And totally. I'm the main character of the story. It's my creek. Right. Yeah, yeah. Well, and also if we if we get back just a sec, a little bit, you know, in, in that moment, <clears throat> Joey says, you know, something is lacking, or honesty is lacking. That's, that's what's lacking mm-hmm. from this relationship that we analyze and we use all these big words, but our ability to be honest with each other is lacking. Dawson's response is, something is lacking. He doesn't actually think that the lack of honesty is a problem. He thinks it's the lack of physical intimacy that that is what's really lacking here because we're best friends. We're good. So I'm going to kiss her and then that's going to show her that this is what really is missing from this picture. So yet again, even when they're able to finally quote unquote, get on the same page by doing something towards a romantic relationship, they're still completely on the wrong page. Like Dawson does not actually hear what she's saying. This sh- this would have all made so much more sense if Joey was a boy. Yeah. Like if if this whole thing was Dawson like cuz it, it makes so much more sense for Dawson to be like, "Oh, it's 1998. I'm a boy. It's it's really hard to be a gay kid." So yeah. him like finally admitting to his best friend that he's he loves them and like th- there that would have been a build up. Like that's totally. something that like changes from childhood to adulthood of being like, "I'm going to be true to myself and honest about our relationship." And who we are like that's a that's yeah. a fucking plot that's a mm-hmm. really good idea but totally. here it's just it doesn't make any sense for joey to like be trying to live her own life and then it just gets swallowed up by dawson's i, think I just would, oh, oh, i just had an epiphany about the silhouette um mm, so yeah. okay so originally i'm like okay smooching silhouette like okay maybe it's from jen's perspective and she's seeing them but in peter pan Peter mm. is always chasing his shadow. <gasps> so the yes. last thing we see is their shadows. They have not grown up. Mm. Mm. I, like yeah, I like that. He has like that, that hook poster. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's earlier, like part of that, wait, the, early, that whole scene is that hook poster. And yeah. Them actually talking about Peter Pan. So, in, yeah. Yeah, in this episode, right? They talk about the... In this scene, they're yeah. talking about... Um, the Peter Pan syndrome. The Peter Pan syndrome. Mm-hmm. And yeah. he, she says, yeah. even Spielberg... Or Dawson says, even Spielberg outgrew his Peter Pan syndrome. And then Joey says, I could have told you that m- months ago. And he says, you did. So. Woof. 
just a side note something that's absolutely bonkers to me is uh steven's have you seen hook we've all oh, seen yeah. Hook, yeah. right yeah oh yeah, yeah you know how it has rufio. like such yeah yeah rufio the set design in that movie is so beautiful because it's like actual sets and it's like really interesting and pretty like that movie's not great but at least it looks really cool uh spielberg has said that his biggest regret isn't waiting longer to make that movie because he would have done it all with cg now what which is insane Whoa. it's like that can you imagine how horrible that movie would have been if it was all cg be like avatar oh, yeah no hey. no thanks okay I, I i just need to step back because i i do think that this this really joey this scene i really <laughs> fuck. Yeah. Um, i'm yeah. speechless too. come on <laughs> You can do it. Early on, we had talked about how Kevin Williamson, as a gay male, this show, as an autobiographical show, it was just so strange that Joey is a female character. We then, you know, Cody, as you found out, you got semi, semi-concrete semi confirmation, right, that they fixed that, that they changed that? It wasn't. I don't think it was necessarily changed. It was like Kevin Williamson purposely, like, had queer-coded that character because it was autobiographical to his life. I don't know if it was ever initially written as a boy, but it was very much purposeful for reflecting his own experiences. Um, I haven't talked about fashion much this episode, but Joey is wearing a similar dumb jacket. I don't know if it's the same one, but as in the first episode. So it could mean it could have some meaning. Yep. Back around to to the beginning. Yeah. I do really like the um, silhouette end of the episode yeah. them kissing it made me think of a christmas story there you go with the oh no, <laughs> the sorry, leg lamp think, well yes actually it did make me think of that but it made me think of home alone with uh, the, oh, the right. party scene <laughs> oh yes going on <laughs> totally in the yeah, house. yeah um and i wish that's what was happening i want yeah. that michael jordan cardboard did you think out. they did have statues for that <laughs> Like I mean, they cut out cutouts for that shot, or I think was it's it puppets. them? I don't think it's. You think it's yeah? Yeah, because, I wonder. Well, actually, in my memory, just in my memory of that scene, the silhouettes of these people are too person-like, which you wouldn't get. <laughs> yeah, right. With real people just in the window, oh. so you'd have to put miniatures in front of a light source to shine on mm-hmm. that curtain to get that to look. In my head, maybe yeah. that's giving him way too much credit. But I don't know. I would like to experiment with like a key light in a uh-huh. bedroom with a yeah. shade that must I be bet very you fucking creep. <laughs> <laughs> hey now. <laughs> Albie Albie. Uh is this it? Is this uh, over? I th- I think so. One more note. Maybe Dawson set up the light so that there would be a silhouette. So <laughs> Yeah, that's cool. His mani- manipulative nature. That is true. <laughs> I hope Jen sees this. I'm yeah. crazy. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I guess, like, what do we think that is supposed to get across to us, the viewer, of us seeing that silhouette, right? The shadow, there. Oh. I, no, I love that read. So that's your read. <laughs> I love that, Mal. That, that was my read just now, but yes. And, and initially I was like, oh, is Jen seeing this? And, and right. what does she think? Because that's, like, from her, per, like, the perspective of her house or whatever. But right. Yeah, you know. At this I point, know. I don't think this show is smart enough to think it means anything. I, I think yeah. they're just yeah. like, this is beautiful, and that's how it's going to end. Right. Mm-hmm. It's like a cool shot. It's romantic. Yeah. 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 You're probably right. They probably weren't like, well, that's them projecting their future, like right. we're saying. Yeah. It's, it's probably just like, well, that would be cool. Mm-hmm. I saw that on Home Alone, and it was really cool. So <laughs> <laughs> I really thought you were talking about that leg lamp. <laughs> Fragile must be Italian. <laughs> well, I guess it's time for us to talk about ratings and recommendations. Certainly is. Oh, all right. Well, let's move on. Uh, 2.5. I, the only good things I could really talk about is I like Joey's beats with her dad. I like that there was, uh, 
there was a catharsis with that relationship and it had been built up throughout this entire season to that moment and it felt uh, earned up until they started talking about Dawson. Um, uh, I mean, to that, we've already talked about it. I mean, I just fucking hate that Pacey uh, doesn't really exist in, in the show up to this point. We don't really know that much about him and they confirm that with him just disappearing in the third act. Yeah. Um, same thing with Jen. Like, there's nothing really in this episode that gave me anything other than the sad fact that we don't really know if <laughs> she's an evangelical Christian now. Um, Gramps was a pawn in the game of God, died for no reason, and that's where we're left off. Um, I'd say it's a pretty weak finale. Oh. Unless, like I said earlier, if the only thing you gave a shit about in this show is Dawson and Joey and will they, won't they? Well, guess what? They did, <laughs> and baby, did it pay off. They kissed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, 2.5. Yeah, I'm going to go with 2.5 as well. Um, it was pretty middle of the road. Uh, wasn't as fun as some of the previous episodes. You know, it was pretty heavy. Um, it, it was, it was kind of interesting watching some of the characters interact in different environments. Uh, so I think some of the, but like there, there was definitely, it was evident that there was some budget went toward that. Um, the contrast between Joey's trip to the prison with Dawson versus her trip to the prison with, with Pacey was interesting. Um, but then again, it ended with back to Dawson, focusing on Dawson. So that was annoying. Um, I felt sad for Jen, but there wasn't really much else happening there. Um, Dawson kissed Joey, so that happened. And then we blinked and missed Pacey. So yeah. I don't know. It was just kind of middle of the road. I'm going to give it a 2.25. I am um, yeah. overwhelmed. Over, oh boy. Overall, felt like it was extremely underwhelming. Um, basically, everything that Mal and Cody have already said, you know, I agree with. Um, I guess, I mean, some positive things. I liked a lot of the music. Um, I, yeah, I liked, uh, Joey interacting with her dad and kind of like seeing some resolution there. I am excited for like the next chapter. I'm hoping, you know, now that Joey and Dawson have kissed, I'm hoping we can, move right along and and you know get into some other facets of these characters and i'm excited for that but yeah it was i was really disappointed honestly and was sad about it yeah i have to agree um in my opinion as somebody who has watched a decent amount of television seen quite a few season finales this is one of the worst season finales I've ever seen <laughs> in my entire life. Um, if I wasn't committed to watching the, let's see, there's, there's what, six seasons of Dawson's Creek and five more of these seasons have 26 episodes. So the rough math on that is like two, two three, 400,000 more episodes <laughs> to go. If I wasn't committed to watching those 400,000 episodes, I would not continue watching after this finale because it's that bad. Why the fuck did I watch this? It makes me, like I've said multiple times, it makes me question, why did I watch this show? It's because of all you lovely people (laughs) and because of the love for my fellow co-hosts here. But if I uh, had to rate this, it would be a 1.88. That's my highly scientific rating of this episode. (laughs) And it is because there is 
just it, it's just such a downer from start to finish. There are a few things that I like about it. There are some things that really did touch me. It did make me cry, and I definitely give it some, you know, some a, a, a bit of love just because it did get an emotional response out of me. I think any kind of media that can get a true, authentic emotional response out of a viewer is something that should be applauded. But at the same time, I think. Um, the shoehorned religiosity of this episode, the, 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 the really lacking storytelling and the very basic just writing in general for this, this, the, the season finale. And the ultimately the fact that this just is such a fucking stinker uh, of a, of an end. It just makes me have to, to mark it down. So 1.88 out of five ratings time. Recommendations. <laughs> no, I think we should rate it again. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, my rating is a 2.5. <laughs> okay, you're right. Recommendations. Uh, it's spooky season for us right now, and I've been recommending a lot of movies lately, so I wanted to recommend a comic book series. Uh, the comic is Gideon Falls from Image Comics, written by Jeff Lemire and art from Andrea Sarantino. The synopsis, the lives of a reclusive young man obsessed with a conspiracy in the city's trash and a washed-up Catholic priest arriving in a small town full of dark secrets become intertwined around a mysterious legend in The Black Barn, an otherworldly building that is alleged to have appeared in both the city and small town throughout history, bringing death and madness in its wake. Rural mystery and urban horror collide in this character-driven meditation on obsession, mental illness, and faith. Uh, the series finished at 27 issues, having ended in December of 2020. It's scary, complex, and confounding in a really great way without being inaccessible. Um, if you haven't read Lemire, he's in general one of my favorite working writers today, having done Black Hammer, Sweet Tooth, Essex County, and more. And Andrea's art is like otherworldly. If you're someone that likes David Lynch, 12 Monkeys, Jacob's Ladder, Perfect Blue, Enemy, Men, this is for you. It is a wild time. I cannot sing this praises of this comic enough it is amazing love that cool okay i'm going to recommend a food item well more like multiple food items here we go so in the spirit of spooky season my recommendation is a candy company called chomp chocolate spelled c-h-o-m-p chomp um their their instagram is chomp chocolate and they have a website at chompchocolate.com. um it is a vegan milk chocolate and dark chocolate company uh and for the season they have some fun new halloween bars i have yet to try them but we will be ordering some um one's a matcha bar dipped in raspberry uh, they have a graveyard bar with cookies marshmallows and pretzels they've got a white chocolate bar with peanut butter and none of these taste like they're vegan they're like better than some of the best milk chocolate or some of the bigger milk chocolate companies around. Um, I also have some chocolate tea that's super yummy. (laughs) Um, James and I took a tour of their factory in Salem uh, about a month ago and um, they have plans to expand and make it like a Willy Wonka factory experience in the future. So yeah, check it out. (laughs) I would love to get stuck in the chocolate tube (laughs) thinking about it for years. And this is also a a friend of James from yeah, his up, music ben? days. Yeah. I miss you. But, but yeah, they're ben great. Yeah. Has created an incredible factory and company with a mission over there at Chomp. But what I would love to just add to that, sorry. I was going to say, you can find them at, for locals, you can find them at Fred Meyer. Yep. But also online. Yeah. Go to your local Freddy's. You can probably find them in the candy aisle. What they have tried to do at Chomp is not make like vegan chocolate that is like 
you know, like chocolate snub, you know, mm-hmm. like super, it's, it's basically imagine, Not fancy, yeah. imagine just your normal, regular run of the mill coffee, sorry, reg, regular run of the mill chocolate bar, like a Hershey's bar, except instead of it being full of shit, it's yeah. natural. It's, te- it's tasty. It's, it's vegan. There's no mm-hmm. animal byproducts. There's nothing in there that's strange. And uh, I mean, it's yeah, great. It's very, the, very wonderful. When we did the tour, we got to kind of learn how they make, make the chocolate. And it's, it's a super cool, like, process that they have. And, you know. Made yeah. with a lot of love. It's Go check them out. Love, yeah. You'll enjoy it. And it's very, very affordable. Very, very tasty. <laughs> Into that. All right. My recommendation this week is the movie... Do Revenge. It is on Netflix. It came out um, a few weeks ago and um, I was really excited to watch it. Did not disappoint. Um, One of the uh, plot summaries is that popular Drea wants revenge on her boyfriend for publishing her sex tape. An exchange student, Eleanor, is haunted by a rumor that two teenagers team up to take action against their tormentors. Um, it's really fun. It's um, really just like one of your classic high school teen movies, which I love. Um, the soundtrack is great. There's a fun little couple twists in there. Um, definitely gave me some vibes of like Mean Girls and Clueless. I felt like it was like a really fun homage to like some of those 90s, early 2000 teen movies. Um Camilla Mendez is in it, Maya Hawk, Austin Abrams, who is in Euphoria, Alicia Bow, who is in 13 Reasons Why, Sophie Turner from Game of Thrones has a small role, Sarah Michelle Geller makes an appearance. <laughs> it is just overall super fun. I laughed out loud a lot. Highly recommend. The music. I second that. Yeah. <laughs> it was, yeah, soundtrack is Incredible. so good. Yeah. yeah. Costuming. I mean, everything. Everything. Yeah, it's, just, it's, it's great. Yeah. And like, so I was saying a lot of uh, references to 90s, the 90s. Mm-hmm. So that's fun. Yeah, It's very relevant to what we're talking about here with Dawson's Creek. And looking back, you know, 25 years into the past, this movie feels like looking back into the past at a, at a format that was very popular then that has kind of fallen out of favor now, but that has done very well. I, I thought it was very fun. All right, well, my recommendation this week is something a little bit different. Um, I am going to recommend a album that is soon to be released. It's probably been released by the time this episode is out. And it is not King Gizzard and the <laughs> what? Lizard Wizard, believe it or not. Um, I'm going to be recommending a album from a band called Cataldo out of Seattle, Washington, They are releasing an album Dumber and Older on October 14th, so I guess you can't get your pre-orders in now as of the recording, but go ahead and get them when you hear this. You'll love it. Cataldo is a band um, that I have been following for a number of years. I happened to have met Eric, the front man of this band, uh, many, many years ago, and he's just an incredible person. It's worth listening to if you are a fan of music in general, but especially if you are somebody who likes Death Cab for Cutie, for example, or any of the music that has kind of spawned out of Ben Gibbard. If that is an inspiration that you find interesting, give Cataldo a listen. This new album, Dumber and Older, uh, really hits me at a personal level because it's really just about kind of growing up 
You know, it's uh, I, I'm 32 now, so I'm an old man. And the things that I am starting to think about and go through at this phase in my life just feel so different than a lot of the things that I've been kind of going through and experiencing in my life up until now. And having an album like this that speaks to it, um, really just it, it's, it's nice to feel like I, uh, I like I've always felt a, a certain connection to this artist, but especially now it feels like we're going through some things very similar. Um, I'm going to play a brief snippet from a song called Matter of Trust off of Dumber and Older because it feels particularly relevant to the episode that we just listened or just that we just watched. So take a listen to this. It's just a matter of trust. So that is Cataldo, Matter of Trust. It's an incredible act out of Seattle. I think it'll make you feel happy, even if the songs are dark. For albums outside of Dumber and Older, the album that really got me into the band is an album called Gilded Oldies out of 2014. It's got a very kind of R&B pop vibe that I think will be very interesting to a lot of people. But their most recent release, Literally Main Street out of 2019, is a banger. I think just about every album, every song off that album will find a home in your heart. Go take a listen. We saw Cataldo live. Yes, we did. Several years ago. Several years ago now. To met him and he's very nice. Yeah. Eric, if you're listening. Go see him live if you can. Yeah. Come on the show. I bet you yeah, watched yeah. Uh, Dawson's Creek at some point <laughs> in your life. So next time on Freaks and Creeks, we will be doing a season one retrospective. We'll look back and talk about our thoughts, feelings, <laughs> uh, impressions of season one. Talk about predictions. We're not going to do impressions of characters, are we? Oh, yes, I, I am. Absolutely. We're not a segment, yeah. didn't you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Jennifer? 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 We're going to play some clips. Oh, baby. Maybe. Are we? Mm-hmm. We are. Walking walk in here. You'll hear me do an impression of Gramps. <laughs> in three, two, one. <laughs> Great. Great one. Goodbye. Okay. Well, no. I'll be, I'll be, I'll be. <laughs> Cody, I think you need to stay after we finish the recording of this so that uh, we can record Albi Albi. Oh, we're doing it, baby. Um, well, Weird Al number two over here. Are we uh, Are we done with this? Bye, bye, bye. Goodbye, Jen. Okay, well, <laughs> I guess until next time. Thank you so much for listening to our little podcast called Freaks and Creeks. If you've enjoyed the episode, please go ahead and subscribe to our show and join us each week as we continue to set sail through Dawson's Creek one episode at a time. And if you want more of our wonderful content, 
Go ahead and find us at our website. You can find it at freaksandcreeks.com. If you want to see that screenplay, it's at freaksandcreeks.com backslash about. <laughs> if you want to go to Instagram, we're at freaksandcreekspod. And if you want to go ahead and send us an email, write to us at show at freaksandcreeks.com. Otherwise, until next time, bye-bye. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Jennifer.